The garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning, Mid-South Gardeners, and welcome to Mid-South Gardening on this wonderful Saturday morning. Wonderful Saturday. A little below freezing. Had frost on the windows, so we're back into a regular January routine now. (laughs) You think? (laughs) For a minute. Good morning, Miss Veda. Jim, good morning to you. Howdy. Howdy, buddy. Hope everybody had a good week. I had a good week of cleaning. Yeah, cleaning. Cleaning at the garden center. We only do it, you know, deep clean once a year. Right. And I mean, Lord. It never ceases to amaze me because, you know, when he does it, it's a work of art. I I know. Everything is spaced out just perfectly, and it takes him what two weeks yeah. or better. Oh, yeah. Jim, you know, I used do to do think, that in a day. I don't I know. Yeah, do you see. think Kenneth is liking it a lot? See I mean, Jim? you look forward to it every year. No, I don't. I know. Yeah, you just have to because you make it an art. I mean, Jim's right. But see how Jim said he he threw that in there. He could get it done in two days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but didn't you have to do that at one time? Like when you worked at Central, did you have to set up their their chemical department? Uh, uh, well, yeah. The worst one though was uh, at a former employee of mine. Nurse is no longer in business. Yeah. That the, those shelves had never been cleaned. <sighs> They had, they yes. had, this is gross, but they <laughs> they had stacks of Fertilone boxed root stimulator. Oh, yeah. Looked like pigeons had landed on them. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was bad. It was just stuff had leaked all over everything. I mean, it, oh. it, it, it was, is a good yeah. feeling, though, to get everything clean, you know, at least a deep clean, you know, once mm-hmm. a year, get everything respaced. I mean, it's kind of like the new beginning of a of a garden center yeah you know what it i mean is, right. yeah one of my first jobs when i worked over at uh, dan west poplar yeah uh the first time <clears throat> it was uh was to clean out the defective closet oh, yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> so did you take those I live through the it. hazardous <laughs> waste dump <laughs> it hey you don't need to put a light on back there it just glows on its own all oh, right you can find it easy <laughs> well what central barbecue uh bought the building we're in, the garden center's in. Well, congratulations. Yeah, yep. And so we're moving across the street, and there's plenty, There's tons of room over there. Nobody ever knew how deep it went. But you know how it is when you're when you're building a house. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, this won't take that long. Yeah. Until and you then, get in there and start doing right, it. And then two you, weeks. Right. Two weeks. <laughs> and then, uh, it would be two weeks if people would work faster. So, but, all right, so y'all are just right across the street mm-hmm. from where you used to be. Yeah, I think you used right. to be on the south side. Now you're going to be on the north side, correct? Or is it we were on the west side and now we're... No, we were on the east side. Now we're going to be on the west side. There's no way because Central runs east you, and west. You, you anyway, yeah. You don't understand. Okay. <laughs> no. How about there is Patty? a street, a uh, southward street between their two buildings. Oh, Okay, yeah. they're yeah. just yeah. moving on the other side of the, on the I west gotcha. side. Yeah. Of the okay. South that's how that works. So yeah, if I, yeah. You know, we got I'm this... looking for you. I want to know where exactly where to right. go. Yeah, yeah. Well, just follow the smell of the barbecue. Well, that'll mm-hmm. take a while too, but you know, it's like, and so then you're you're waiting to get started, <clears throat> and you don't know what to do, and so I just spent all week pacing. Back and forth. Now, what about your all uh, the beautiful house plants? I mean, do y'all care? They look really nice. Yeah, you listen to Jim. See, he hasn't even yeah. looked at it. Yeah. No, no. Yeah, I, <laughs> you, you I went by his Facebook week, page. You know, t- my wife's sister passed away back before Christmas, and today we're doing the uh, memorial service. And so I went by 
Palladios and picked up. They got a, I got a nice basket and got a lot of potted plants so they could and so that people could s- spread them out and give some away if they Way wanted to. Go. to. Sure. And made a nice looking floral basket for a fraction of what it would have cost if had I gone out and purchased one. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so um, anyway, it was it turned out real nice. In fact. Uh, uh, made to put pictures of it on our Facebook group uh, that you never look at. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> we totally when we twist that knife while it's <laughs> <Yeah>. in there. <laughs> right between the rib. Oh, I'm looking anyway, for it now. Yeah, but I, anyway, it uh, they so they have some beautiful beautiful plants. And yeah, by the way, afterwards, Caroline went down and ate at the restaurant there at Palladio's. Excellent food. Oh, good. Just outstanding. All right, Wendy Johnson just texted in. She said, "No sound on the website." I had to come to the Facebook page. Wendy, well, thank you. I don't oh, know exactly streaming. what that means. We'll get Philip on it, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Philip's like, man, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's odd because I, when I, I always turned my radio on for Carol on my computer, yeah. and it, were, it was working earlier. So. All right, Wendy, let us know. Keep us updated, baby, if you can't hear anything. Yeah, you must have done it, Kenneth. But but I, br- I brought up houseplants for a reason. You know, this time of year, wondering. we're in the dead zone of garden centers, right? Mm-hmm. Other than the really the deep scrub, the spring cleaning, yeah. if you will. And, of course, you know, bookings are slowly starting to come in. Of course, mm-hmm. we got a wall of seed up, you know, the yeah. garden seeds and everything, Veda. But houseplants are still the hot item. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it is. I'm telling you. And people come in and they just want to get out of their house for a minute, just walk through the garden center, just to kind of keep that feel, you know, walking yeah. through the garden center. And, of course, you know, everybody that comes to the door, how may I help you? And they're like, man, I just want to look. Mm-hmm. So, hey, man, holler if you need anything. And nine out of ten of them are coming back to the counter after they kind of make around and look at the seeds and all uh-huh. this stuff with the, the house plant in their hand. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Great. In fact, a lady came in the other day. She bought a house plant, a little five-inch pot, right? Mm-hmm. And she left. And then she came back the next day and bought the baker's rack that the house plant yeah, was sitting on. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. What if it won? For, and remember years ago, y'all, house plants were a, just, just a whatever. passing mm-hmm. idea. Yeah, just a whatever. We had it um, the bathroom, a rack, and then all plants in the bathroom. And so someone bought the entire rack and the plants because they were in the bathroom. Uh, they like and the look, look yeah. they were going to be able to do I want in that theirs. display. So it's just like neat. I, I mean, it's indoor gardening. Now I'm calling them indoor plants instead of house plants. Oh, because it's <laughs> and, indoor gardening. Yeah, it's indoor gardening. And house plants to me, just every time I say house plants, it's. It gives me the old image, like you were just yeah. saying. I just think boring. I just see immediately a spath and a spider plant and a ficus. You're reading my mind. Just, I mean, and that's it. Yeah, <laughs> house plants or indoor plants, they've come a long way. Mm-hmm. Because back in the day, I mean, yeah, there was a rubber tree, maybe. Yeah. There was a corn plant. Yeah, oh, yeah. There was the a spathophyllium. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with any yeah. of those. They're all still great plants. Mm-hmm. But there are so many house plants out there. House plants I'd never even heard of, to be honest with you. Yeah, we have oh. some. <clears throat> Someone posted this week a little fern they picked up at Target. Yeah. And I was looking for a name of it, you know. Mm-hmm. It was it's one of the bear claw ferns, one of the polypodiums. Oh, I love and, those, uh, yeah. Yeah. But you just don't expect to see that pop up in a Target. Yeah. No. You know? Right, right. And, and I was in Target yesterday and I kept looking for them. I couldn't find them. <laughs> you know, this I know. I think <laughs> I Maureen. One, yeah, I think Maureen went too, because I saw that she answered on the page and I'm like, Oh, Maureen, you just wait till I get one. And like she said, well, you know how, you know how it works. It's real difficult now for smaller or independent garden centers to get 
so much stuff available because, you know, we're buying in small quantities. So we'll see something that we're working really hard Mm -hmm. to get that is exotic plant. And all of a sudden there it is on the Lowe's or Target shelf because they were able to buy a whole bunch of stuff to get it in. So and. But then I did notice, too, that, like, you know, a pothos is a pothos, and we sell that for, you know, a regular price as anything else. But then you look online, and there was a pothos hanging basket for $69.99. Was it one of, was it one of the new No, it was just pothos? the regular, yeah, regular just one. Variegated. So every, this houseplant thing is just crazy across the board, and there's no unity to it. You know, we're, our pothos hanging basket is $19.99 and <laughs> just big as can be, and this one was $69.99. Yeah, yeah a lot of that, though, is the fact that they've got, they got to ship it to you, okay? Mm-hmm. And if they tell you that this plant is is nineteen ninety nine and eighty dollars freight, yeah, that sounds different than oh, this plant is sixty nine dollars and there's twenty dollars freight. Oh, well, yeah. okay, mm-hmm. yeah, you're still spending the same much, same yeah. amount, but it's it's kind of misleading because so much mm-hmm. of what's involved in plants is freight. Yeah, yeah. I mean they're That's just sure. to to either box them. So they don't damage in transit or mm-hmm. and just the sheer weight of them. Uh, it, there's an awful lot of cost right. in there. And well, then if they're tall, they take up more cubic feet. Exactly. So you're still getting one plant. You can't but top pre- stack anything on them. Yeah. So they're, they're, truck companies don't really like to handle mm-hmm. them. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah, we're, so we're bringing delicate. all this up because we don't want you to forget about your house plants in your home or your indoor plants, as Veda said. <laughs> But uh, if you need to do some repotting, I would still wait until the spring to do it, honestly. Uh, you, this time of year, you almost just kind of leave them alone, mm-hmm. other than a little water. You know, um, they've always said that, but um, I've been fertilizing, well, like with uh, worm castings or, or the all-natural one. been sure. fertilizing with that. Um repotted a few and they're still doing great and and maybe it's because we're keeping them in a lot of light and the humidity and everything but i'm thinking when you got to do it you got to do it oh yeah i'm not saying surely don't do it you know but don't forget about them is my point yeah Uh, you know like in your case you're growing them well under Mm -hmm. lights okay you're not moving them from place to place like homeowners tend to do right you know if you've got them out on your patio through the summer and pumping water and fertilizer right. to them and then they really do need a dormant period when you bring them mm. inside uh you don't want them to force lots of tender growth you know that yeah. they're not prepared for the heat and, and dryness of your house so it's um it's different when you're growing when you're versus actually physically yeah. growing. Them. Yeah, and, and, re- and the reason I say don't forget about them, I mean, you know, of course, everybody forgets to water from time to time. And then a lot of people, you know, they're on the other side of the coin. They're grossly overwatering their houseplants. And then last week or week before last, I told you about the houseplant where I gently, <laughs> nicely said that they just need a good bath. Uh-huh. You know, they had more <laughs> dust on them than the dust I've been cleaning off the shelves at the garden center. So <laughs> Intense. Yeah, so, I mean, but there's just some simple things that we can do. And like I said, typically you just kind of leave them alone. Get, you know, just let them do their thing. They're kind of slowed down during mm-hmm. the winter months anyway. The metabolism is slow. But now this spring, you know, you'll see, you'll see new growth, and it's time to get them outside, get them washed down really good, clean them up, repot them if need mm-hmm. be, start feeding those things. Uh, and if they get too big, get in there and start cutting them back. Right. Like, you know, like yeah. we always have to do. So. I did um, I did repot that Ming Aurelia. Um, no, the Parsley Aurelia. Mm-hmm. Jim saw, Love saw those. Yeah. Um, but I repotted it to a smaller pot because we had 
the grower, I guess, sent them out too early or something, but it was too much soil. So I downsized it, which is really had to do that. But we'll be right back. Uh, 901-260-5926. Good morning. Welcome back, gardeners. You're listening to KWAM 990 News Talk Radio. And uh, give us a call, 901-260-5926. You can watch us on Facebook Live. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine why. Yeah. <laughs> Jim, puts your mouth. The Mighty 990 Facebook page. And then, of course, streaming live all the time, kwamradio.com. Go back and listen to the podcast anytime you yeah, want. And come join too. us on our Facebook group, Mid-South Gardening. Gardening in USDA Zone 6, 7, and 8. Boy, I bet and you've had a lot of questions. We, we've had we've had more input, you know. Mm-hmm. But you know, I was I was checking some of our figures, and we even had like twenty five hundred during uh, different people check out the uh, Facebook group during December when it was so bitterly cold. <laughs> Somebody so, help you know, me here. They were sitting I at home it. and said, yeah. "Oh, I got nothing to do. Let me read this." <laughs> yeah. I know my friends always tell me, "Well, I see when you got a break." You know, four days later, I'll show back up on Facebook and like everything, you know. But, well, um, Wendy uh, texted back in. She said the website sound is up now, so that's good. Thanks, Wendy. All right, but you were talking about right, about houseplants, how you actually even went down some mm-hmm. sizes in the pot size when you repotted. I mean, typically, we're always bumping our plants up to a bigger pot. Yeah. But in this case, you went down. What Explain right. that. What there you- was, I noticed that it seemed like, well, I noticed that the soil kept staying really extra wet, mm. and the watering was monitored really well on this type of plant, and I couldn't figure out. Why is this thing staying right? wet? And I said, you know, it's got to be that there's not enough roots in the soil, because we're always saying if you have a lot of soil, your plants can rot, because, you know, the roots aren't, the roots don't. Um, a lot of plants don't get all fibrous and, and mm-hmm. take over the container instantly. It takes mm-hmm. a while. So I pulled it up just a little, and the bottom of the soil came off, which meant there were no roots or they mm-hmm. were rotting. And mm-hmm. the bottom of the soil was very, very moist. Mm-hmm. And so I knew this was just And this pond be had a, drainage. Yeah, you know? it had drainage, and we use, you know, we check all the things you can possibly check and all. And... So I just I took it out and div- I divided it because it split. Yeah, <laughs> already. So it just got so we'll I made di- two out of this. Right, one. the one side came out nice and fluffy and looks real good. Put it in the um, earth mix potting soil. So what I had this time, use uh, the Super Thrive, and it really didn't show any issues. But I'm still have you know after about two weeks, you're starting to see a little die back so i'm pruning that off figuring you're going to see it because the roots were having issues already and the reason you're bringing this up is same thing with bumping a, a plant up a pot you know you don't go from a five inch pot to a 10 inch pot you know thinking yeah. okay i'm gonna go to a 10 inch pot so that way i won't have to repot this thing for 10 years yeah that's a big no-no also right right you know because there again if you've got so much soil in relation to the size of the root mm-hmm. that soil is going to stay too wet you know, yeah. and we see that not only on house plants, but, but we see it on container grown plants also. Yeah, yeah. Like sometimes they send them before they're rooted out. Yeah. yeah. So keep that in mind. And Jim, I'm looking at this, uh, this, I guess, this basket that you made. And these were all with live plants, house mm-hmm. plants. I'd pay you a lot of money for that. If I, I'm telling mm-hmm. you. 
If I had yeah. to it turned out pretty good. And, and by the way, the Amaryllis is starting to open this morning, so it's going to be perfect for oh, the memorial good. service. I'm real pleased with it. Oh, good. We yeah. were, and the orchid, you can see, can you see the orchid? It's so beautiful. It is. Beautiful little miniature Have orchid. you ever done floral arranging? Yeah. yeah, actually I have. In fact, I told a story on here back many, many years ago. Uh, some of the ladies here at the Botanic Gardens put together a program, and it was a challenge between Rick Pudwell and myself. We had we each had five, you know, and Rick did all the beautiful arrangements for the when they have you know the the stars, country music star, whoever's coming. And to Rick sing. Pudwell was at the Memphis Botanic Gardens yeah, for years, for years, and, he, and of course he did all the beautiful flower arrangements. But anyway, we had each had five containers. We had the same stuff to work with. Oh Lord, okay, in the same amount of time, and and said you know, so we we did them all, and then at the end they everybody had bought the ticket. They were raffled off. And of course, there is no like I said, there is no winner or loser. But mine went first. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, you love you, that? Rick. <laughs> That's so funny. We do that at work. Uh, every That's great. everyone that does a container garden has a code to put on the garden that that we did, and so we're always checking at the end of the you know who won this Nothing time. Nothing like competition. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. telling you. I know it does. I mean, if there was no for me, if there was no competition, then forget about it. I'm gonna go find something else to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, what about, you know, and, and I'll get off houseplants here in just a second, but houseplants are still a really big thing, and they're fun, they're easy, you know, they soften the rooms, they do all the wonderful things in your house. But what is Except the... Except clean the air. Exactly. Well, exactly. What is the... Um, what, just I, like to poke the bear. I know, I'm just, I don't hear nothing. How, what are some of the houseplants that a novice should stay away from? Or is that even... Or should they, is my um, that point. That parsley aurelia I'm talking about. Yeah, I've killed a couple uh, of them. Um, yeah, the, the issue is light, okay? Yeah. If you can't give these plants bright enough light, then there are a whole world of them you shouldn't be growing. Even some easy ones you shouldn't be growing. Yeah. So that it's kind of so it's a situation, the, not really the plant. It's, it's the situation the that where you're putting the plant. Right. You know, if you go out and you go, oh, I've got a place. I want this plant for it. It's probably not going to work. Gotcha. You know, you need to know a little bit more about you know how much light mm-hmm. you're getting there, what time of day is it getting blasted by full sun in the morning, right. and then shade the rest of the day. Right. These things are important and affect the way the plant grows or dies in many yeah. cases. Well, there's like so, for instance, the right. there's only one spot in the <laughs> garden center that the. Um, Maidenhair ferns will do well, mm-hmm. and it's right next to the wall fountain, mm-hmm. and you can actually feel the the humidity in that general area, like when the heat <coughs> kicks on, and then it's kind of blowing the air around in there. You got and the you, humidity yeah, right, right there. Yeah, right when you walk mm-hmm. by, you're in a pocket of humidity, and um, the maidenhair ferns are so particular about the humidity. That's mm-hmm. funny, and Jim, the, the way y'all said this, because, yeah, you can walk in there and go, God, man, this plant will look great mm-hmm. in that corner right there in the foyer because mm-hmm. you're looking at the plant to go in a particular spot, right? But like Jim and you and Veda saying, go a little further than that. Yeah. You know, look well, at the I light mean, requirements and so forth. Let's face it, that's our job, just to sell plants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. We, we we make them irresistible. We put them in containers and things to get your attention. 
And, um, and, and and in your mind, you're like, that is the perfect mm-hmm. plant for yeah. the perfect and spot. And I know exactly where that thing is going, <laughs> exactly. but the person that buys it may not. <laughs> right. That's because, why you got to go to the garden center so we can tell you instead of like yeah. the instead grocery you making store. That mistake. But remember growing up, you know, we always heard that, God, man, don't look at the ficus. When you walk in the door, <laughs> just keep walking. Don't look at it because it's going to drop leaves, right? <laughs> right. If it you is. look at that thing wrong, and like you said, it is. So there was always this, and everybody had a ficus, you know. Mm-hmm. At one point or another. So there's the, there was this stigma that, God, man, some of these plants are just impossible to grow. And that's not really the case. You know, no, it's just it's if really you give not, them what yeah. they want, they'll do just fine. Yeah, and they're, when they start shedding leaves, they're not dying. They're correcting what you've done to yeah, it. Yeah. They're going to put on a new set of leaves. They're probably not going to be as thick because they're not growing in full sun. That'll like make people feel that. so much better. Mm-hmm. But all they're doing is putting on a... The, the leaves have a thinner cuticle layer to uh, absorb more light. Right. You know? They're it's just adjusting there. to the place that you put them that's in. That's right. That cuticle layer is real important because it prevents the tissue from being burned. And that's the little waxy covering on the every leaf. Yeah, every leaf. And, you know, that way bright sunlight won't cook it. Mm-hmm. But if you move it, even from one side of the window to the other, it mm-hmm. senses that light change. And so it goes, well, I need a new set of leaves and starts to drop yeah. it. You know? And then likely you go, oh, I need more water, which doesn't help the matter. Right. Yeah. You know? yeah. yep. You're right. So you know, it's, it's, it's you're a spiral right. downhill. Right, right. <laughs> and you need to turn them every, almost every Absolutely. time you water, water like a quarter, a quarter at least. You have to turn them. We had a situation where with, I blah, 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 yeah, a lot of houseplants put, put in one area, and you're going, okay, I know that's not good for them at the moment, but we're going to change it in a few days. It'll be all good. So things, you know, you sell things, things change out. But this big, tall pothos on a, a pole. Instead of, instead of hanging down from a hanging basket, it's right, growing up on a pole. pole. It's, so it's taller than me. It's like over five feet. Well, I'm I'm five eight, so it's taller than me. But the top leaves and or it's all nice and uh, leaves and all of that. Yeah. And then I noticed down at the bottom that some of the leaves were having issues or getting smaller. And I was like, oh well, that's because all these plants are are hogging the light. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Plus, doesn't it? What don't when they are growing up like most other vines, you're going to start losing your lower leaves. Yeah, anyway. absolutely. We'll yeah. talk about that when we come back after this break. You are listening to Mid-South Gardening on KWAM. <laughs> Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Y'all could give us a call at 901-260-5926 or post a question on Facebook Live. Uh, if you don't want to be on air, just give the question to Philip and he'll pass it on to us. Or come by the front door, knock on it, and leave donuts and we'll answer your question. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> God. Yeah, and it's mint. What kind of donut do you uh, like? I like? Jelly-filled. Jelly-filled? Yeah. What's yours? If I'm going to die, I'm going to die. Yeah, heavy. right, right. <laughs> y'all, What's yours? Y'all are killing me. I'm not even getting in this conversation. <laughs> Mine is... Anyone in the box. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you were talking, Veda, before we went to the break about how you've got a, you know, in this case, a pothos growing up mm-hmm. on a pole. And, of course, the top part of the pothos at the top of the pole, the leaves are bigger, mm-hmm. you know, and then you're losing some leaves down yeah, below. At the bottom, yeah. So. Yeah, well, in this case, it was happening too fast. The leaves weren't as big and it was, yeah, dropping leaves. It wasn't 
too much water, blah, 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 all that. And then I realized it just was pretty dark because, you know, I'm like, oh, this is getting a lot of sun because above so the other, other plants, plants around the bottom. And then the window, you know, is getting plenty of sun up there, but it still affects at the bottom. But also, so many of our houseplants lose our lo- the lower leaves anyway. So, Jim, and even the vines, like, I'm, I'm just thinking in my head, let's say jasmine growing on a mailbox mm-hmm. or on a wall. Mm-hmm. You'll see this huge amount of growth towards the top of the jasmine vine. At the bottom, eh, nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, even when it's open. And yeah. then you'll see even shrubs that people mm-hmm. have been trimming that you got all this growth at the top, and then there's no growth at the bottom. And you was going to expound on that. Yeah, well, I mean, think about the way vines grow. They typically come up under stuff in the shade. They grow up through it and then canopy out on the top of it to get full sun. They like that stem and roots being in the shade. Clematis is one of them. They don't want full sun baking and cooking in on them. Okay, so So that's you want to keep the foot of of this clematis or clematis, Mm cool right but you want the rest of it growing up in the sun that's where it needs to be you know and so many plants as they canopy out normally they shed the the lower leaves and the lower leaves fall off perfectly natural but you know when you go and buy say a ficus or or any particularly small leaf plant they have sheared that they've made it really thick for a couple of reasons one they can grow it in a smaller area they thicken it up it looks better than if it were grown naturally and when you get it home it doesn't want to grow that way it wants to go back to the way it should be growing so it will drop the oldest least productive foliage that's up in the shade just you're saying that's just just natural process can't support it doesn't need it it wants full sun foliage Mm -hmm. at the top so it will shed some leaves and then all you have to do is modify that a little bit, change it. Like I say, move it from one side of the, the window to the other, and you change it senses that light difference. Just like a seasonal change that happens naturally during mm-hmm. the course of the year, you don't see them drop leaves like that. It happens, but it's a very slow process. Right. You know, you vacuum up a leaf every now right. and then. Right. But if you change anything, it suddenly thinks the season has changed, and so it's going to get rid of these leaves. And Let's get into either a lower light or a higher light situation. So it's just trying to fix what you did to it. That's all it is. Right. Yeah. Well, in an instance of the um, parsley aurelia, it kept putting on new growth. And then the bigger, older growth was dying. So I'm like, okay, it's trying to live. Apparently something is wrong with the roots because the new growth or the big growth is falling off. But the new growth still comes on, so that means there wasn't enough roots to support the whole plant. Oh. So we'll see. Well, the do other we... one doesn't look so good, but I'm calling it bonsai. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what you're doing. But but it can. It can look good. It's just going to take longer. All right. What about if we, all right, not the house plants, but now we move outside, okay? And we still see vines, hardy vines, growing on poles or growing on a wall, and they're dropping their bottom leaves. And we also see shrubs that have been trimmed hollies and lorpetalums and whatever Mm -hmm. and they're losing their bottom leaves so what are we doing wrong and what's the issue there or is there one they may not be doing anything wrong okay okay particularly if you're looking at conifers uh, we don't traditionally think of them losing their leaves but they do they have a very distinct um 
length of time they're going to, by variety on how long they're going to stay on the foliage, uh, stay on the plant. Some of them, a few up to five years, mm-hmm. most in the two to three where they'll, mm-hmm. but that oldest, again, oldest interior foliage begins to drop off. You know, of course, you seldom see that unless we get like a drought. You know, we remember every fall you see all your particularly white azaleas shed all the internal foliage Lights because it got yeah. dry. Yeah. You know, normally, again, if everything was good and we had good weather and consistent moisture, you would hardly have noticed that. All right. What about the shearing and the shaping and us pruning our hedges where we're also forcing a lot of the leaves to fall off the bottom? And you've said this many times before, Jim, you are in Veda. You'll see this long line of, let's say, privet hedge, for example. And the way that it's been sheared, by default, you've got this big top, you know, that you've sheared a flat top up there. And it's really shading the bottom of mm-hmm. the plant. So you start getting leaf drop that way. It's nothing wrong with the shrub. It's just the way it's that it's been sheared. wrong with the trimmer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. So you want to have a bigger girth at the bottom of a holly, let's say you're pruning, Mm -hmm. than at the top. Yeah, we prune totally opposite of what we're supposed to. True. That's Mm -hmm. my point. So a lot of times we're creating these these instances where we're forcing a lot of these leaves to fall off. It's not that the plant is doing it within Mm -hmm. itself. We're causing that. Uh, and then lastly, what about, uh, you know, jasmine, uh, whether it's Confederate jasmine, Carolina jasmine, akebias, whatever. They're growing up on a mesh or a trellis or mm-hmm. a pole, and always we start seeing the bottom leaves fall off. Mm-hmm. So, is I mean, other than going in there from time to time, which people do, and cut them way back and let them just regrow, uh, I mean, is that something that we just need to expect? <clears throat> well. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, what I was going to say is in terms of the showing the trunk and all, I always just take all the leaves off when it starts becoming like that because then it just kind of looks raggly. So when you take all the stems off and you just have the base vine mm-hmm. growing up, then it's just clean and neat I agree looking. with you, yeah. yeah. But if you don't but, like that look, people will go in there and cut these mm-hmm. things way back and just let them regrow. Mm-hmm. So, or train something else. Plant you some annuals in there that aren't aggressive. That will you can just shade that trunk with and mm. let it come up, and you know, not an issue. I'm just telling yeah. you something about leaf drop, y'all. When people see leaves <laughs> start to drop, yeah, they think automatically something is wrong, and that's not always the case. Right. Uh, I mean, it's always good to inspect, but really, I mean, leaves have to fall off plants, whether they're healthy or not. You know, and, yeah. and, and look at what's going on out there now after that flash freeze we had. You know, a lot of the leaves have fallen off these plants. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, that that's a problem, potentially, because they were frozen and they fell off. But that's actually a good thing when you see them fall off like that. Um, now, w- you know, we're still getting a ton of phone calls about what happened, what's going to happen you know, what's the deal yeah. uh, with this flash freeze that we had? Maybe because you still drive around town. I mean, cryptomerias and lower pedlums and azaleas yeah. and everything in between, they were fried. But there again, just like we said last weekend, most of the stuff that we're looking at, yeah, the, the, the damage is really confined to the foliage for the most part. Mm-hmm. On most of these plants I'm seeing, I'm scratching them, they're still going to be okay. Now, you know, cryptomeria, I, I don't know yet. They look so dead to me driving down the street yesterday. I'm thinking, there's no way these things are coming back. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, and I, I was going to try sometime this next week to go look at some real close uh, to, to see what kind of damage is on them. You know, and looking at um, the oak leaf holly that, that's in my yard, 
Um, I'm seeing the the very top inch or two, the buds are black <laughs> now. So I think I'm only going to lose just a touch of just the tips. tips. That's what it looks like right now. The camellias, I, I don't, my japonicas, I don't have much hope for really? them. I think oh, they're gone. Boy. Uh, they just, uh, they had not hardened off enough to withstand that and that hadn't happened in so long yeah we had a time back in it was in the 80s and maybe even late 70s where we lost a lot of camellias uh in a situation like this the only ones we really saw survive were really old plants in the midtown area yeah were next to houses and people didn't start planting camellias again they just Mm -hmm. stopped doing it because well they're going to die why am i going to do this well let me tell you about the ray of hope give me a ray of hope driving home yesterday and i'm sure y'all have seen it the bulletproof plant of the year has got to be forsythia yeah i've seen seen pictures of them blooming my point and what are we a month early yes so i'm like what these things are I'm telling you, they're mm-hmm. blooming right now. This is going to be crazy spring with all the blooms. But we need to head for a break. So y'all give us a call at 260-5926. Good morning. Welcome back. You're listening to 990 AM News Talk Radio. KWAM. All right. So uh, talking about all the shrubs and the damage and all of that, I'm hearing some people say, Ooh, not as bad as I was thinking. And that's what we're hoping. Yeah, so that's what we're hoping. I haven't went back and uh, checked any of the the camellias that I that I'm hoping are alive. I haven't checked that. I haven't stopped and looked at the cryptomerias either. And like you said, you were going to look at them really close. I didn't realize how many cryptomerias were planted in Memphis and that's the thing. until I now. Love, I love cryptomeria. I mean, it mm-hmm. kind of replaced the Leland Cypress in my mind. Uh, for all the right reasons. And it is a great-looking uh, tree, I guess, mm-hmm. in this case. And, of course, there are some shrubs that are cryptomerias, but I'm talking about the tree form. And uh, it's one of my favorite plants. I mean, it's they do the thing. I mean, they're great for screening. They're great down border property line. I mean, they're great. I like the cute little cones that are on the end of the green foliage and the the uh, wintertime because they work great for all those container gardens that you're doing for so Christmas. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, and hopefully when Jim gets out and does some digging around, you know, we get our sleuth on it. Uh, he'll find, he'll get some answers. But I'm still a little afraid, like you said, you know, some of the, uh, Jim, of some of these uh, marginal plants. Invader, you know, the gardenias, the camellias, the the fatsias, the acubas, you know, those type of plants. I mean, I don't think, uh, Indian hawthorns, again, uh, I don't think there's any chance of them things potentially coming well, you back. You know, and that's odd. We had somebody post a picture of an acuba, which was right up next to a house. Yeah. And when you parted the black foliage, his stems were still green great. up in there. That's you great. Know, uh, I think if it had been out another foot or two from the house, it would be, you know, mushy. But uh, he got lucky enough, a little microenvironment there where it survived. And I was driving down uh, the street going home, uh, a particular street last night going home, uh, early afternoon, or late afternoon, I should say. And it, I could still see it one dark. And, y'all, these laurels that were against a, um, a commercial setting mm-hmm. that were against a wall, I mean, they they just look dead as they yeah, can be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, so we'll have to wait and see on it. So I was surprised, too. We had planted some laurels, and this was in a really protected spot, and they're gone. They're well, just gone. And, and then, you know, people have been like, hey, I'm going to go ahead. Can I go ahead and start cutting this stuff back? Can I go ahead and start digging this stuff up? And I'm like, 
man, y'all, we've got to be patient. We got to hang on for just a minute. Just just ignore it. Leave it alone. Let me go out there and start feeding it. Not yet, you know, unless you use something completely organic. So it's just one of those things where you hate to tell people to be patient because that's the last thing they want to hear when they're seeing all this destruction out there in their landscape. Some landscapes more than others, and they, they just don't want to hear it. But that's really all we can do. And we we're talking to Cal, you know, from the Botanic Guardsman here sitting in here the other day, and he was saying the same thing. Let's just be patient. Let's see what flushes back out. Let's see what does it. And even the shrubs that do flush back out, we'll know at that point what to go in there and cut out, you know, all the mm. little dead yeah, tissue. Yeah, it'll be real easy to tell. You know, and, yeah, but even there, we may not yet know how much damage is done. Well, until it gets hot this summer, but at right. least we'll have a starting point is my point. Yeah, you know? so if we make it through this, whatever comes out on some of the plants, think about the fact that after we make it through summer, then we may be okay. Yeah. Yeah, because like we were saying before, it can have all the energy stored in the top half, but the roots are dead, so it cannot keep giving energy. And then you see that issue happen in the summer. And that was what? It was around zero degrees. Was it one night or two nights? I think it was a it, couple of nights. Yeah, I got it? a negative one at the house is lowest. Um, but, you know, the next day it only got to 12 or something. Okay. You know, just terrible. Uh, we you kind know, of had... I'm sorry. I'm still no. still concerned about crepe myrtles and dogwoods and. Oh no! You say crepe myrtles. Crepe myrtles and yeah. Because of the crepe myrtle bark scale. No, no. <laughs> because they're crepe myrtles. Because they they don't grow them in the northern areas. I know and they then don't. we're <laughs> we were so warm and then so cold. Well, let's just hope they that just, they. Any of these out. plants that have really thin bark, I am concerned about the possible winter damage to them. And we again, we won't know that for a little while. <sighs> that would be crazy. These these crepe myrtles have been getting hit for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so well, I like, still like the idea done? of going out there in, you know, mid-March and feeding them with some good, you know, 12.66 or, or the high-yield, uh, you know, grower special. I mean, I just, they're going to need that extra energy. And then a lot of people are going out there even now and feeding them with some good organics, the milorganite or something similar to that, because I just think... You know, we're going to need to really give them that energy to flush back out because they're replacing all the foliage out there on a lot of these plants. So, guys, let's just keep our fingers crossed, heads up, um, give it a minute. Let's don't get out there and start cutting things back just yet. Unless you know something's dead, you can always mm-hmm. cut out what you know is dead. But a lot of people don't know a plant is dead. It looks dead, but maybe mm-hmm. it's not dead because yeah. you go out there and scratch the azaleas, they look green under there. I don't there. have a prob- problem cleaning up some of the things you know if it's got dead leaves on it just trim a little bit back on the top and if it's still brown then trim a little bit more right. but That's when, a you dead get, tissue, when you yep. get to green wood stop okay and just be patient and let's see what else happens okay well mm. i was looking at um i don't remember which one it was but you know diamond Mauchi has garden zoeve out mm-hmm. in arlington and she just does all natives and so she was listing, you know, she doesn't have any issues with anything, really, because she's well, got all natives. A number of the plants she mentioned in that post are are, are good, hardy native plants mm-hmm. that we've used for years. Um, which But which I've fit. seen some of those damaged also. Yeah, because yeah, she's, she's very wooded, so it has a lot of protection that way. Well, it has extra protection. But, you know, the, some of the native, the anise, Marinelle holly, autumn ferns, Christmas ferns. Mm. Now, yucca is yucca native here, uh, there is or is a it established? One, yeah. yeah, the the um, variegated one, the <laughs> yellow one. Which one is that? 
And I've had people make comments made Color about, guard. Yeah. you know, they're going to plant, yeah, let's go back just to nothing but natives that are mm-hmm. native to here in Tennessee, and they'll take this kind of weather. But that's not going to happen either. I no, mean, because I can't do a landscape in the front yard of the norm of the suburban areas in these. With types. just just native Total. plants, yeah, just native. I, I, I don't, even, I don't want in. just native plants in my landscape. You yeah, know, th- that's my issue. I don't. Mm-hmm. You know, there are other plants that I want to grow. Great. Yeah, right. um, you know, in in this case, native really would not have much to do with the survival of the plant. It depends on where it is and how hard how far into dormancy it had gone. Mm-hmm. You know, because like I said, we're seeing pictures of cryptum areas north of here that are just got some winter bronzing, but they look pretty good. Uh, now explain that. Well, so because they, north of us. They had had colder temperature, yeah. had mm-hmm. set them further into dormancy before the, the polar plunge. So they had time to acclimate somewhat. Somewhat, mm-hmm. you know, so we're not seeing as much damage on them. Um, but, you know, it's... Yeah, I'm not going to go with just cause, <laughs> yeah. and, and I'm not going to say natives are boring because I love all native plants also because they're not boring. But I mean, there are so many other plants out there, like Jim said, that I want to grow that there's no way I'm going to stick with just natives. Yeah, but you know, like one of the plants you mentioned was Elysium floridanum or the golden anise. They're not native to here. Mm-hmm. They're native to North America, mm-hmm. but not to our area. So, you know, there's a fine line when you start talking about natives as to whether or not you want to talk about natives that are to our area Mm -hmm. or to the southeast. (laughs) There's some natives from west coast that will grow quite well here. Or there's some, yeah. Native here. Right. So, what kind of, what was the transplant native or, you know, it's, what was that name? When we start talking about natives, it's like taking the truth and bending it around to where the ends meet. (laughs) I mean, you know, there's just, Some of it is true, but some of it is. I know it's hard to follow. It's really, it's really hard to to follow to the point that I was like, I'm just going to plant what I like. But the the list of things that she put here, I'm looking. Well, you can do a niece in the front and landscape. You know, as long as you're in the shade, I could get a good landscape. You know, Mary Nell hollies. That's a holly, holly. Autumn ferns, Christmas ferns. You know, those look great in landscape. I mean, my um, autumn ferns took a hit. I mean, they're bronze. They, they're uh, they're still standing upright, but yeah. they don't look good at all. Mm-hmm. But they should come back from the. Oh, rent, they'll though. be fine. Yeah. yeah, most perennials didn't aren't bothered at all. Yeah. I mean, all of mine are, for the most part, are, are you know coming back gangbusters. Yeah, because right our perennials were a lot of them had already died back. Yeah, yeah. but the they, ones they that were, were evergreen, snuggled in the ground. You know, yeah. like the autumn ferns and the hellebores and those kind of things. I mean, yeah, they got zapped. But I've, they're going to come back. I guess, yeah. It'll be just a slow awakening of everything this year. Maybe, yeah. unless it's... What is this week for gardening? Isn't it pretty decent weather? Well, it's going to be a little cooler than the norm. We're going to have ah. nighttime temperatures knocking around freezing. But I wonder, so. though, still why some plants just... I mean, why, what is the deal with some plants can just make it through that zero-degree temperatures where other ones just flat-out cannot... You know, you're talking about the Elysium while ago, the anise. Uh, and, you know, I haven't seen any that haven't made it through. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just weird how some of them, Jim, they can just take that stuff. Mm-hmm. All about, has to do with the genetics. Yeah, something about how they were born. Yeah. <laughs> how they were born. All right, y'all, just hang on because we've got some more to go. We'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to KWAM 990 AM.
The garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning, Mid-South Gardeners, and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. We're in our second hour, and we're glad you're up joining us this morning. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. You want to give us a call, 901-260-5926, 901-260-5926, and like Veda said, you can always go to the Mighty 990 Facebook page uh, and shoot us a text right there, or you can call Philip. He'll take care of you. And then uh, KWM Radio, what, dot com, streaming live all the time. Go back and listen to the podcast anytime you want. Yeah, so. you can put in my, Mighty 990. They can get it, uh, find it that way. Just nowadays, it's easy to Google something. Just have a couple of words, and it'll come up. Um, and I hate that, because that's what's happened to garden <laughs> yeah. clubs. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and... That's true. And call in radio, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, back when I, you can when Jim Brown it. and I were doing it, you know, when we'd have a two or three hour show, we'd have 30 to 50 mm-hmm. calls. Yeah. So, you know? Yeah. And, uh, but now people can just pick up this little tablet right here or your smartphone and, yeah. and ask a question and it'll give you an answer. Might be right. It uh, might be. I know yeah. this is a difficult time in that. And then I thought, well, maybe Google's good because they'll get some basic answers but then they have to venture out into the real world to get deeper into what's what's the right answer i mean but think about it though i mean gardening you know 101 i mean if you are out there doing something and you find a particular bug i mean you take Mm -hmm. a picture of the bug and get Mm -hmm. it identified immediately a bug a bug i mean (laughs) you know so it's just the information is just so right there in the palm of your hands uh, now, you know, if your tomatoes aren't pollinating like they should be, and you Google, why aren't my p- tomatoes pollinating? Or better yet, get on the uh, the web page or the Facebook page that Jim Jim has got. He's the administrator of. And I'm telling you, man, the answer, the, the it's so easy to get an answer to a question is mm-hmm. my point. Mm-hmm. Whether it's right or not, it's still easy to get well, an answer. Well, but you answer, get on yeah. the one that Jim does. Right. So m- most say, of those, pick you your... know, if it's if it's way off base, I'll delete it. You know, and send yeah. the person who wrote it a note and said, you know, there, there's some science that just uh, does not back doesn't that up. support yeah. this up. So we want to be careful about giving out information. Um, but it's got to be, you know, it's got to be harmful to the plan of the person before I will do that. <laughs> well, of okay. course. But yeah. but how cool is that, that Mid-South Gardening Zone, what, 678, uh, that there's a, a Facebook page that is... That is what it's there for. It's like for real information from real gardeners and all. Um, You know what I like? This book that I have about tells you where names of plants came from. Oh, that's cool. I have one of those. Yeah. I'm wondering if you may have crossed paths with this this person. um, Katie Ferguson was her name. And so the Katie Ruelia is named after her. And then Azalea. She, she was a clothes designer, could match colors, decor, and all of that stuff together. And so she hired a landscaper for her big house and big yard, Lowry's <laughs> Nursery. You know Lowry's. And, um, and she lived here in the Mid-South then. I don't know. No, I think she lived in Alabama. Okay. Maybe. Oh, it was yeah. still all right. Yeah. And, Southeast. Um, so he was doing landscaping with her and she got really involved with it and he loved how she matched the colors and everything and uh, she became this uh, plant person and did all kinds of garden clubs and stuff like that then she met tommy dodd Uh yeah so tommy dodd and um 
did a lot of gardening with him. He had him and his dad had a garden center and all, or nursery. Yeah, Tom Dodd Sr. had a huge production nursery. Well, that's how she got. So Tom Dodd Sr., she met him, and because um, she's highly respected in the industry and all. And, all right, so, and they, so Tom Dodd named the Azalea. Okay, Katie uh, that Ferguson was my question. After her. Yeah, so that's how it, it gets mm-hmm. together. Is sometimes it's just a person that's in the, the hybridizer knows. Yeah. And, and, and where did this, I mean, so this is a, it was just a. One that um, Tom that died. A, it was a sport that they found that came off of another yeah. azalea probably. Well, yeah, how's that go to Jim? It's Tom Dodd introduced to this Adele, right. azalea, named it after yeah, her. He, he was, uh, and I, I was lucky enough to, to know Tom Dodd Sr. Uh, he had <laughs> a world of really cool plants there that um, he was evaluating. He had a uh, southern magnolia that had a leaf about two and a half inches long, uh, perfectly symmetrical as far as the shape of a magnolia leaf, but a tiny thing. And he had five or six of them that were in, I'm going to say, 50-gallon tubs that were 12 or 15 feet tall. You know, and, and I tried desperately to get a cutting off of one of them. I bet you did. And he said, no, that'll be something your grandchildren will enjoy. So, I mean, oh, do you wow. think that tree will ever come to fruition? I don't know. Yeah. I, you know, it may be something that just is too slow to produce to be able to, for them to grow other than, mm-hmm. you know, you get some, a few specialty nurseries out there who will grow things and, and that are not in high demand, but so many of the nurserymen want to have to turn volume yeah you know in fact yeah. um oh, what was the uh nurseryman over here in tennessee that did the wild animals and i'm having trouble thinking of sunset Cartwright. no no he was um, over in winchester tennessee oh uh, but anyway he and his brother were in the nursery business and uh, he said the difference between the two of us was I wanted to grow one of everything. Right. He wanted to grow 10,000 of one thing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And that separates gotcha. the two different types of nurserymen out there. I have to agree. Nurseries have to produce volume, you know, and they, they can only dedicate a very small percentage of their inventory into what I call cool stuff. You know, you know, and it's, it's, it's hard. It was hard for me as a nurseryman not to want to stock a lot of that cool Uh stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You know, but, but like you said, but, is the cool stuff selling like the mainstream so, so stuff? Slowly, if it did, yeah. but it yeah. doesn't. You know, that's my point. It's when you yeah. look at you know. In fact, we we actually looked at the when I was in the, the uh, wholesale uh, product division uh, at Charles Heckel Company. We looked at our items and we found that ninety percent of our volume was in ten percent of our items. Mm. It's crazy. Okay, yeah. you're moving big numbers. We'd be gone and Roundup. Yeah, you know, yeah. but. You got uh, Schultz, you, you know? got Schultz dropper with you <laughs> yeah. know fertilizer uh, orchid fertilizer. Which is still on the market sell, and it's a great product. Yeah. It Thank is a great product and you sell five cases a year. Yes, sir. Right. <laughs> if you're lucky. <laughs> yeah. And so. see that 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 does make it difficult. Like in our garden center, we don't have enough room to be a full fledged nursery. And uh, I don't want to carry all the um, same hollies and things like that that you can get at wholesale nurseries mm-hmm. or bigger mm-hmm. nurseries i'm or, wanting to or sell box stores yeah no it's like jim uh, calls the fun stuff yeah. yeah but there's less percentage of that and then to order because you know like you said on the fun stuff you may sell five 
But if you had um, a bigger garden center, you might sell 30 of this certain kind of holly. So when you're ordering, yeah. you can. it's harder to get the fun stuff, sure it the is. minimum. Because yeah. you can't just pick up the phone and order 20 fun stuff hollies <laughs> and have it delivered. you got to get 200 of them. Yeah, you know? right, right. So it's, uh, I hear you. It's kind your of a, ratio. Like your, your minimum has to be $2,500, say. That's the minimum delivery mm-hmm. for certain companies. But you cannot hardly get $2,500 worth of fun stuff. Right. you got to throw all the other common stuff on. But our garden center is not a common stuff garden but center. But it, you're in a yeah. unique situation yeah. there. Yeah. yeah, but it was interesting the way you were talking about you know the the name of the azalea was named after Katie. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, uh, so much of that, you know, exactly. Martha Hitchcock and all of these were named after. Yeah. you know, in fact, Martha Hitchcock was one of uh, Ben Morrison's azaleas, and he named a lot of his azaleas. I mean, you after think Gwenda and knew. you know George Tabor and mm-hmm. all these mm-hmm. azaleas that are out there right now, yeah. main market azaleas, they were all named oh, after someone. Right? How and about he, the David Austins? You know, they're named after real. Gardeners that we that we didn't grow up with, but started, you know, doing the gardening and making all kinds of great contributions to the industry. And then the David yeah. Austin knockout, no, David Austin roses, English not roses, yeah, yeah. There, there's a lot of Gwen. Well, what's the I, I got to tell you something. I, I saw, this week I saw a program on on uh, on WKNO, and it they're touring what they call 80 of the best gardens in the world and this mm-hmm. past week they did the u.s and they had 10 gardens and i'm telling you there was not a single garden in there that i would have called exceptional mm-hmm. i mean mm-hmm. just there were some unusual ones i mean you Probably know very sterile and, and the vast yeah. majority of them are by people who have more money then they know what to yeah, do yeah, with, yeah. you know. So they it's had, like a common having landscaper. a twenty foot looks like wiffle ball just sitting in their garden. <laughs> I mean, it's a big round spear with holes yeah, in it, yeah. you know. <laughs> and I'm sure they paid a bazillion dollars for that thing. But <laughs> right, why? Yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know, to me, gardens are gardens. They're not art galleries. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're not concert venues. They yeah. are gardens. Yeah, uh, so I like the way so he's they thinking. were selling, yeah. so showing the other. Well, we need to go to a break, and if y'all want to contribute to this conversation or ask questions, nine zero one two six zero five nine two six. Good morning and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Give us a call, 901-260-5926. I saw a good saying, uh, said, despite all of our accomplishments, we owe our existence to a six-inch layer of soil and the fact that it rains. Did <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> you really think about true. it? Just that's bottom line. True. You're not kidding. Yeah, I mean, it's that, it's that wonderful, beautiful topsoil uh, that's, you know, kind of laying there on top of that I guess Jim would always say the wonderful, beautiful clay. Yeah. You know, and, and so our soil, I mean, as much as we complain about it, mm-hmm. it's actually not bad soil. Yeah. It's just that you got to be a little careful with the drainage yeah. around here right. because clay can hold a good bit of moisture. And it's always about replenishing the six inches of soil. Yeah. And I'd rather keep. have our, the soil that we have here than the sandy loam that we even have down in Harbor Town, mm-hmm. honestly. Yeah. But, um, you know, speaking of soil, guys, I mean, we're always amending our soil, whether it's a vegetable garden, whether it's a perennial garden, or whether we're digging an individual hole and putting a limelight hydrangea in there, okay? But we're doing that because, what, because of the clay? 
Yeah, for, yeah, because for the drainage purposes. Because the large amount of clay that we have, because we need the clay, but we just have too much. Because and and so let's say if you know so many people say dig a hole mm-hmm. and don't put anything back in there other than your native soil, right? Okay, say plant pending. Now, right? and the way I look at it, though, yeah, I kind of agree with that, but I'm. I'm not saying dig a hole, plant your tree or shrub, and replace and fill the hole with with alien soil, mm-hmm. okay, whether it's topsoil or garden soil or whatever. But I'm always going to amend my clay before with another soil to backfill that hole, you know, right. because, but you hear so many people go, no, 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 you want to use nothing but the native soil that you dug out of that hole back into that hole. And I'm I, I I'm just not a firm believer in that in in this area because mm-hmm. of the heavy clay that yeah. we have. And Jim's <laughs> head's over here just well, spinning. I, know. I think, yeah, there's some term issues here that we need to deal with. Mm. Uh, amendment is not soil. Okay. Okay. You're putting now in native hairs, soil. Go ahead. Well, yeah, but, but yes, I hear you. When you're adding organic matter, whether it's bark or peat or whatever you choose that's not soil what that's doing is is helping separate your existing soil so that your roots have easier pathways to get out uh you have organic stuff for your uh, microbes to Mm -hmm. eat on uh you're developing developing a better environment for that root development Mm -hmm. You're not replacing the soil, okay? That's exactly replacing right. Replacing the soil mm-hmm. is removing it and whatever you put in there and not putting it back. And, and that's what I tell people. Don't replace your soil. Right. You're just making the soil that you put back in there better yeah. by adding some of these products. Uh, but, but you know as well as I do that anything that's labeled topsoil has none in it. No, it does not. <laughs> it <is. laughs> that's true. Now, yeah. and, and, but let me say this: you know, we give you know topsoil has a bad name, but it's not topsoil. Okay, it's a combination <laughs> of bark, sand, and some kind of soil. It's all it is. Relief mostly mold may not mostly even soil. mostly bark, but it's not a bad product to improve drainage. Uh, here in the Mid-South because of all the the small bark tissue in there. So, Jim, I, I, <laughs> I'm passing out over here. No, but tell me, because, well, I mean, because there's so many what they call amendments, whether it's soil conditioner, which is nothing more than pine fine, whether it's the cotton burr products, whether it's the topsoils, whether it's the garden soils, there's so many that that can be confusing. Mm-hmm. But I think any of those are better than not using anything when we are trying to amend that clay soil. But tell me about... Well, again, it's a term thing. Well, I, I, okay. I know what All I, right. I, I here. You're, if you loosen your soil, put some stuff in it, Stop. put it back, you haven't changed the drainage other than make it worse. You have created larger air spaces with material that will hold more water. You actually have increased the moisture content in that area that you've improved. That's not a bad thing, okay, yeah. if you're managing that. But the only way to improve drainage in clay soil is to dig down to where you get all the way through it, where it can drain into right. and some soil level. And that's not going yeah, to happen. Yeah, and that right. may be deeper than your house. Yeah. You know? So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're not really improving drainage. You can improve drainage on a plant by planting it and elevating it mm-hmm. so that the top layer of roots has more air in it. 
and it can never drown. And that's the, that's what kills most of the plants around here is we take a plant that likes a particular amount of air in the soil and put it into a situation where it's mm-hmm. not getting enough. It's funny how, and when I'm telling people how to plant a tree or a shrub, I don't know if I've ever not said, make sure you plant this a little above grade exactly. or a little high. I don't think I've yeah. ever said it on anything. Always, that's that's yeah. improving you know? drainage. Yeah. You know? But you know, there's nothing that you can do to that hole to help it. Well, but like you said, though, Jim, drainage. but it does does create an easier path for these roots that's, to grow out and to, and to expand. Most yeah. important, you know, thing. and the bigger the root system you have, I mean, actually, the more moisture it can tolerate. If you think mm-hmm. about the it, the wider so, you make that yeah. hole, the better off you are. But again, you don't have to go any deeper than the container. And we right. always say that dig the and root ball. I mean, dig the hole just as deep as the root ball, but twi- at least twice as wide. You always want to go wide than you do deep. Some plants, I won't go that deep. You know, yeah. when I plant mm-hmm. a rhododendron, it doesn't go but about half as deep. Yeah. You know, and I bring the, the existing soil with stuff added to it back up on top to the root ball and then put a little mulch on top so that when it rains, that water goes right through that, gets into the bottom. And if those bottom roots rot off, I'm okay with that because yeah. I've got these above ground. And yeah. what about compost, Beto? I mean, are we also going out there once a year and just using a you know a light layer of compost on the top of these plants or in the whole bed? Yeah, it kind of depends on how they're maintaining their landscape um, as well because sometimes people are just blowing everything out and you've right. got just this hard topsoil or this matted down soil compressed soil yeah and so adding compost will definitely improve that but definitely i once a year i like yeah. to add it because you know the breaks down the plant takes the nutrients up right. takes the soil up so i want to keep my flower beds at the right level and all and give them a lot more to work with so because the compost will help it so absorb the moisture when it rains it leaches all the tea you know it makes a compost tea mm-hmm. that works down into the soil on the and roots. that's really the life of the yeah. soil i mean you could just get away with composting all the time and not have to do a lot of Fertilizing. Well, you know, Tony Havat, who owns Plants Delight Nursery and yeah. has probably the largest collection of unusual plants in the world, it says the correct amount of fertilizer is none. Mm-hmm. He never adds fertilizer to any plant. Because he he's uses compost. Well, he plants it according to the way that it needs to yeah. be planted with the type soils that they're correctly should be grown in. Right. And they take care of themselves. And that's what plants mm-hmm. want to do, and they have the ability to do yeah. that. They feed themselves. We don't, you know, right. they've been here a long time before us. They'll hopefully be here a long time. Well, but I'm growing plants in some cases mm-hmm. in pretty arid, pretty harsh conditions. Yeah. You know, and maybe I don't water it like I quite should. Maybe they get a little too much water sometimes that I shouldn't be doing. So I'm going to do anything and everything I can to make the environment as favorable for yeah. them as I possibly right. can. That was kind of when I did my lawn all organic, you know, for years just organic, and I didn't have to do any um, synthetic fertilizing. You know, I just added soil amendments to the soil, the liquid and all that. But if I was trying to achieve maybe like an extraordinary green or if I wanted something to grow faster, then you would spike it. I call it spike it. Well, (laughs) and then let me say this real quick before we go to the break. You know, one of the things that can also be confusing is when people say the word compost, you know, there are so many different varieties of, quote, compost on the market. 
you know, there's the old-fashioned 100% cow manure. Mm-hmm. There's chicken manure. There's the cotton burr compost. There's cotton burr crab, blend. There's worm I mean, castings. And then there's the earthworm casting. But my <laughs> cricket. Cricket crap. But my point, though, is the reason I'm bringing this up is there's no such thing in my mind as bad compost. Compost is great, guys. I don't care what source it came from and what compost it is. Compost is always going to be good for your soil. So don't get so so hung up on, oh, my God, there's so many to choose from. Which one do I need? Right, right. Just just choose something. I just I do different um, throughout the, the year. I'm not always just going to use back to nature blend. Mm-hmm. I'm going to use that. But one time I'm going to use manure and yeah. another time I may use earth mix because that way you're getting all of the nutrients because each one of them has the same nutrients but some different ones mm-hmm. yeah so but you know then they pull a okie dokie where what about the manure that we were wasn't there something about the type of grain or the hay the cows were eating and then we were recycling putting the manure in the compost pile. Do you well it's just people that were going out to the barns it? and collecting the manure you know that mm-hmm. wasn't completely broken down they were burning their plants and had a million weed seeds no, in there it. was something else it was i thought that they were like the cows had eaten um you mean grain according to their diet with, yeah pre-emergent or something and then they put it in the compost pile gosh what was it i'm going to look at that now but i've well, heard a lot about yeah. it well uh, you know there's been lots of reports where people have gone out and gotten cotton burr compost and they mm-hmm. it's often cotton is often sprayed with defoliant. a million things right yeah, yeah to <laughs> to knock the leaves off of it prior to picking mm-hmm. and if the temperature in theory doesn't get hot enough then those chemicals can stay in that compost in theory mm-hmm. yeah right so you know it depends on who you talk to if you talk to the chemical companies they say oh well yeah it gets plenty hot enough to destroy it you right know? but in in actual practice if it hasn't decayed long enough um you can see some some dieback so that was a little you're talking about the pushback on people like whoa 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 cotton burr compost that's a cotton product yeah, yeah so we know it gets sprayed on cotton mm-hmm. so i'm not using that product right, you, right. And you but get, it's you get that feeling like you know oh, well i'm using this organic good stuff and it may not actually be i love that product though yep. we'll be right back Good morning, gardeners. Welcome back. Give us a call, 901-260-5926. So talk about replenishing the earth and all with the soil and everything. I had read, saw somewhere about a mushroom that eats plastic. And there's also mushroom compost. Yeah, there is mushroom compost. So mushrooms that eat uh, plastic. And I was like... Well, I definitely got, I could, I could almost believe that after hearing everything that, you know, how there's beneficial microorganisms that they put into landfills or, or into spills and all of that, and, and it processes it out. So I actually did. I researched it um, every kind of way I could possibly do it. And there is actually a mushroom that um, eats plastic. And its researchers have found that there's many species capable capable of eating the plastic um, even the oyster mushroom does and so there's a fungus that will break down plastic yeah yeah exactly <laughs> you ever wonder where all the rubber from the roads goes mm-hmm. off the tires um or to the side I just of the road think it just uh-huh, where it gets eaten by all the microorganisms by the microbes so they're finally learning to that. isn't that weird 
I know, and they're finally learning Life that that's actually a thing. Yeah, that's it, what I, I say. Now, of course, we're going to have to still take care of what we've already polluted with, and I don't, you know, to get rid of that, but as we at, start moving on, things will be a little better in that respect, unless somebody wants to squish that. Well, look at the <laughs> uh, the oil spills from time to time. You know, mm-hmm. they're uh, putting uh, living bacteria on oil spills to eat mm-hmm. the oil. But you were talking about we were talking about the cotton burr compost a while ago. Cotton burr is just broken down burrs of cotton, right? And then the cotton burr blend, which is a great product, It's the cotton burr, but it also has the alfalfa meal, the what, uh, the manure mm-hmm. uh, added, and some humic acid all added to it. Two really good products to add to our soil. And this is all grown in organic cotton or cotton that has no had no defoliant sprayed on it. And, and if it did, mm-hmm. Gina, uh, Jim, they've broken down to the point they've gone through that decompose, you know, that that process where they decompose, where there's no impurities in there. So, but like I said, whether it's a cow manure, a sheep manure, a mushroom compost, uh, cotton burr compost, there's some really good products out there in mm-hmm. bags that we can use. Right. So you could just bury your water bottles in with your flower beds. Make sure you get well, maybe you could, <laughs> right? Well, they say scientists estimate that most plastic takes about four hundred years to decompose on its own. Wow! Uh, the mushrooms were able to break down the plastic in just a few months, safely converting it into organic matter or compost. So that's something. And you know, oh, then 400 I read this. Four hundred years. Yeah. If you bury a water bottle in the ground in, in your sterile, backyard, like in a sterile environment, and the it, land. I mean, if you buried it, it's probably going to last longer than that. Good, because you don't have the sun rays breaking mm-hmm. it down. Yeah, Good. so. All right, what about well, if I... Oh, I want to add this real quick, though. The landfills, you know, a lot of times I'm like, oh, it's okay. I can just, I, I hate throwing, you know, plants away, um, cuttings, all that stuff, you know. But sometimes you don't have the compost pile and you have to put it in the trash can. Yeah. I'm like, oh, it's okay. It's just dirt and all that going to the landfill. That'll help compost down and all that. But now, apparently, you know, the landfill's just anaerobic. Uh, there's no air. And so this compost effect doesn't even happen like that. So great. Mm-hmm. Now I've got to think about that. I was pruning plants yesterday, a uh, big monstera, having to prune leaves and stuff off to train it right. And I feel bad about pruning. About putting the leaves, the green no, leaves in the pruning. garbage can. I feel bad about <clears throat> cutting the plant. No. <laughs> well, it's ridiculous. You know, when I'm moved to Bartlett they had um, you know 20 something years ago they they started putting you have a, a brown trash can for organic matter you mm-hmm. know yard waste other than grass and you have your green one for trash right okay um so for a long time we just had the green one I thought, well you know we ought to start doing that we the green one's more for grass clippings and those w- kind of things yeah yeah if it's bag yeah. but it's more for your your kitchen waste okay. okay so i thought well we'll go get one so you buy one it's 50 something dollars and it's yours you keep it and you move with it and you <laughs> all that but in the tw- i don't know 15 plus years or so i've had it i have only twice seen it dumped in a in a separate truck Mm-hmm. It's the same truck picks it up as mm-hmm. as the kitchen garbage. You know, yeah. he gets one, then he gets the other. Yeah. So I it, noticed it, that too. I yeah, said, "Am I missing something?" Yeah. yeah. It's you know, and it's sad. And and so much stuff. You know, we have a in Bartlett, we have a recycling center. But the truth is, no, you know, China, nobody's buying our recycled mm-hmm. stuff anymore. So, you know, the city of Bartlett can pay twenty dollars per ton to dump it in the trash, yeah. or they can pay eighty dollars a ton to have the recycle company get it and take it and dump, dump it in the, the trash. trash. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's um, yeah. well, isn't it's, it's there really sad. a couple of companies or so around that picks up? Like, if you saved your 
scraps and all that they pick it up and then they deliver back yeah yeah a there's, and i forget the product. name of it but i was talking to a lady just the other day but like you said you know you you jim kind of what you're talking about you put your compost in a container or your kitchen scraps or whatever mm-hmm. uh leafy lettuce and those kind of things you know no meats and fats or anything but anyway someone picks it up okay they turn it into compost and then the next thing you know it's back on your doorstep yeah. to be used as compost and there's a company here in town that does that, and I forget the name of it. I'll, I'll try to get it. We'll, we can talk about it next uh, next Saturday. But that is a, man, that is a great thing, I'm telling right, you. Right, yeah. So maybe there'll be more things than that. Oh, I saw on Facebook where there was a picture of a cat on the back door looking in the screen, and he was holding a, a mouse in his mouth, and he's just looking up at you, and somebody said, DoorDash is here. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and let me say this. Well, we're talking about the compost a while ago, and what makes me think of compost is with spring coming up, there are going to be so many people there again doing their backyard garden, you know, whether it's uh, they're planting their strawberries or their vegetables, tomatoes, and, and everything in between. Well, we always tell people, try to add some stuff to that soil Every year, there's three things that I like to add. One, I like to add lime, typically speaking, to keep the pH up where it needs to be, especially in a vegetable garden. But it never, ever hurts to get the pH checked to see where you are. Mm-hmm. Two is add compost. And there's the thing. When you say compost, people don't know, and they always ask, what compost? You yeah, know, do I yeah, need to do, add yeah. the 100% cow manure? Do I need to add the chicken manure? Do I add the cottonburg compost? Do I add, you know, on down the line? And that's my always my point is there's not a bad choice there i don't care what compost you put in there you're it's a it's a win situation you know and then the third thing i like to put in there of course is some nutrient value other than compost which is going to be some fertilizer but i I love i mean compost to me is the best word out there yeah because it really is the life of your soil and in some good news, um, there is a viral disease that attacks bees and, and wasps. Uh, it's and I've forgotten the, it's got a name about as long as my arm, but basically it turns the larva into brown goo, is what it's talked. But they have figured out how to uh, treat it with a vaccine. They actually have taken the dead virus, just like they would for a human vaccine put it in the royal jelly that's fed to the queen and she passes that on to the eggs so now we have a way to actually inoculate baby bees when they're when the eggs being laid so that they don't fall prey to this disease and this just opens up a whole new way to protect them from other diseases you know i feel like news should be covering this kind of stuff yeah instead of telling the world that we're just all doomed and well, we're gone in 30 then there's years the other thing you know they programmed uh, an artificial intelligence with a huge amount of information I saw that and said you know how close are we to an extinction event and the answer was that by the year 2100 about 21% of all vertebrates will have passed away when there will be no more. No way. Uh, and yeah, and I've forgotten now how many plants that will have died if everything that this, you know, smart computer uh, was yeah. thinking about happens. So, you know. But it didn't, the computer didn't know about all the other plants that we've invented to replace the ones that died off. That's it? only what, another but, you know, 70 had, years away? We've had five extinction events so yeah, far. We're true. likely to have another one, and we probably will do it to ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Golly, is, man. Because it's kind of happened in the past, too. 
Now, Why what about, you know, yeah. the bee population? Because forever and a day, you know, there's been a decrease in the number of bees out there. And we all know, you know, they blamed it on imidacloroprid, you know, insecticides, you know, cell towers, cell phones, and everything in between. And we know that a lot of that has to do with uh, lack of habitat. And also, you know, that, that particular mite that was affecting our beehives. And they still do. They, they always have. And it would, it would probably for always be that way. But it, have we heard about the numbers, Jim? Are they coming back up, Aveda, well, as far as the bee population? Honeybees are crop. They, they raise them every year yeah. and increase the number of hives. But just um, our, our native bees that we see out our there. Our native bees are a different matter. Yeah. You know? um, the last, the, there was a book I read not too long, terribly long ago about it that said that we've lost about 50% of our native bees. Mm. And, but, you know, and there were a number of things. Um, insecticides were like down like number 12 right, on the list. Right. The number one cause was honeybees right. because of the competition that they have with, with our mm-hmm. native plants. <laughs> you know, because when you know, people think, oh, we got to have the honeybees. But in, in, in the United States, only about 30% of our, crop is, our crops are, are pollinated by honeybees. Mm-hmm. Most of them are by native bees, right. single bees, and hoverflies. That and we don't even like see, and some right. people are trying right. to kill them right. because yeah. they're thinking. If we yeah. lost all of our honeybees today, you know, the two things you would probably be, almonds you would have trouble getting, no uh, and also probably blueberries. Blueberries That's are the highest demand. Uh, it takes three or four hives per acre um, oh, the blueberries. for those to really produce well. So, uh, but are we still in pretty good shape when it comes to our pollinators that are out there, especially when it comes mm-hmm. to the bee population? Um, it's it's happening. Yeah, yeah, it's getting it done. You know, it, obviously it's down. A lot of it is because we uh, we're just not planting as much stuff as we're paving over. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The habitat. Right. We're trying, but not trying fast enough. Or it's just not happening fast enough. But we got to run to a break, and after the break, we've got way more stuff to talk about. And if y'all have something to talk about, give us a call, 901-260-5926, or put the uh, question on Facebook Live. You got it. Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. We were talking about bees, and a lot of people I hear... They, they plant all these plants to collect or attract bees, and then they're upset because they don't see the bees. But they're looking for the wrong kind of bees. Yes. Well, yeah. but it's not only the bees out there pollinating. There's so many other mm-hmm. things that pollinate uh, our plants. So, yeah, I mean, it's great to have bees. It's good to have clover out there, bees buzzing all around. But, Jim, you were saying it's not necessarily important that we have, quote, honeybees right. out there. So much of it, you know, uh, like peppers and, and tomatoes, they're not pollinated by honeybees. They're pollinated by bumblebees. Bumblebees are probably the most crazy? important yeah. uh, for your home garden. Uh, and hoverflies and, and the little green flies are excellent pollinators. Yeah, green flies um, are just the coolest things, things to watch. things like beans, string beans don't need pollinators. They do it themselves. So. Now, what about the carpenter bee? You know, the one that looks like a bumblebee, but he'll drill a hole right inside the wood of your home, you know. Are they even pollinators at all? Yes, they are. Okay. Yeah, not as good as other bees, but they are pollinators. Yeah, because that's why they're making those, those houses, the mason bee houses, yeah. things like that to yeah, them uh, put around your garden. Yeah, to bring in <laughs> solitary bees. So you know, most bumblebee hives are they're in the ground, and typical a typical hive is about fifty bees, mm-hmm. whereas a typical honeybee hive, oh, you know, thousands, is, is in, tens of thousands, like, tens of thousands. Yeah, you know, and twenty five hundred or so are dying every day, and yeah. they're being replaced every day yeah. by, by the queen so um, you know it's it's just it, it's so different 
um, than the individual bees that that we have that are really really important. Now the virus that you were talking about a while ago mm-hmm. uh, yeah. is that affecting the honey bees? They, they were doing it in a particular type of wasp. Oh, wasp. Uh, yeah, because so wasp are good pollinators also. Does. So yeah, many are. right. Um, but the the whole point was the fact that now we know we can do this. We can inoculate, which is pretty cool, right? Uh, a female, uh, the queen, and have her pass that all uh, to, to to the whole entire to, colony. To all the babies which is that's that's really just a stunning piece of scientific knowledge so yeah i mean because i mean you know talking about the backyard garden while ago and adding compost to the garden every year to you know refluff that Mm -hmm. soil and adding some good fertilizer in there some good lime well you can do everything just right i mean your soil can be perfect the right amount of drainage the right amount of water nutrients and everything but if you don't get pollination you still don't yeah. get anything. Right, because we're always saying, oh, you know, one thing we forget is adjust your pH. That was something that was never really brought up to me, you know, years and years ago. Plant may not be working because you're not adjusting your pH. But then, like you're saying, there's even a step farther, and it's all it's the bees. You can do everything right, but if you don't have those pollinators in place, it still won't work. And so, I mean, so we should be spending, should be spending just as much time mm-hmm. creating an environment for Pollinators. Yeah, I right. mean, you know, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Whether it's, you know, native plants or whether it's perennials, annuals, mm-hmm. whatever, to bring those type of insects in. Yeah, we should be planting the in-between interstates and all along yeah. the sides and just solid flowers, just wildflowers. Mm-hmm. Sow them and sow the seed every year. Never have to mow them. Just let them go, you know, and you That's, would build yeah. huge populations of pollinators, you know. Well, so. you know, the reason I'm thinking about this is, of course— Twofold. One, in about a month, we're going to have the new president of the Memphis Area Master Gardeners come by and mm-hmm. talk to us. We'll introduce her. And the I believe uh, Jan and Jamie told me the latter part of February, we're going to have the guy that won the tomato contest this year. And when I say won the tomato contest, usually when you enter tomato, a tomato, you win maybe off of one tomato. Mm-hmm. This guy was winning multiple times on many different tomatoes, so he knows something that that we don't. And, of course, those tomatoes, you know, they had mm-hmm. to get pollinated to produce those beautiful um, tomatoes. So, you know, we're going to shake him around and see if we can get all the, uh, the secrets that he has, Jim and Veda. Uh, but there again, you can have everything just right. The soil's perfect, and if you don't have pollinators out there, if you're out there spraying and killing everything just because you see something flying in your backyard, you're not doing yourself a good deal. And, right. and also you have to realize that you know so many plants, are, the temperature has a huge effect on whether or not they'll set flowers. Absolutely. You know, when you start getting nighttime temperatures above 70, hard. you're going to have a hard time with things like uh, tomatoes and peppers. <clears throat> it's it's a self-defense mechanism. I mean, they can't support that fruit, so they, do, they just don't set that the flowers. It's really yeah. heavy, really thick, and uh-huh. it just doesn't move around like it normally well, does. That's it's true. Just, that is self-defense, isn't it? It is. It's a self-defense thing to yeah. help protect it. You know, because when you're producing a fruit, you know, like a tomato, it's what, like 97% water? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it needs to retain that moisture in the soil during the heat. So you're not going to get pollination out of it. You can self-pollinate it fairly easily, but... You know, it's still hard to fool Mother Nature. It though. really is. You know, you, know? You, you don't want to try to raise a huge number of tomatoes on a on plant in August. You know, <laughs> it's be, it's better just to let them let them rest and let you them know, do their thing. One thing that makes me think 
um, doesn't sound fun in, in gardening because I just like to be out in the yard, feeling the sun, the, the natural environment and all of that. And I'd read the post about how our world, we, our existence is from six inches of soil and sunshine. But now there's all the, the hydroponic way. Mm-hmm. So where you don't have to have that six inches of soil or that soil because we're growing hydroponically. Which is and in, it's growing indoors. in water, nutrient water. Yeah, it's indoors with artificial lighting and all that, which is good. I'm glad we're able to do that because I guess that's going to help with... Um, more getting more vegetables and things out to communities and stuff or, or just growing hydroponically but what why it doesn't sound fun to me because I like the elements it sounds so sterile well but they're replicating what n- happens naturally you know you you've got the artificial lighting that has these basically yeah. the same color rays of the sun the spectrum mm-hmm. of the sun so you can recreate the right um, type of light. Yeah. You've got the nutrient values that they're putting in the water. Because, you know, that we you really typically don't, find naturally in soil. There's so many things that we don't have to have soil to grow. <laughs> we just have to have nutrient-filled water. Yeah. And, you know, hydroponics are, are big, really big. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're probably going to get bigger every year. And, of course, they've been around for a very long time. Uh, even at the garden centers years ago, we carried, yeah, you know, the tower, uh-huh. you know, where you had the water in the bottom of this big tub, if you will, mm-hmm. and the nutrients in there and had this kind of a chute, a tower, almost like mm-hmm. a little smokestack yeah. that came off of this drum and the water circulated through this tower and you had little pockets where you could plant uh, these know, different plants. You know how many of those I saw around in garden centers and homeowners' yards? A lot. You yeah. know how many I found successful? Zero. Yeah, you know, but it, but it, the but, but it good. definitely can hard. be done, and it can be done on a large scale also. Yeah. So we'll see where it all goes. But I'm still like, uh, you know, the old purist. I like to plant things in the ground. Right. You know? That's like. You know, it's like when they came out with that thing to hang a tomato. You yes. plant it and it hangs upside down. Yes. Why? Right, right. <laughs> Well, I guess I guess vertical gardening if you're on a patio. <laughs> well, but what different. can you do it like in a container yeah. on the ground? Yeah, yeah why? Just Was it supposed to make? I forgot about the tomatoes that thing. stronger <laughs> growing. And up? we sold a bunch. You know, they put them on that you know TV thing. Yeah, they did. That's and, right. HGTV. We, 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 unfortunately, we sold a lot. Does of anybody them. still use those? No. I wonder. Uh, did I know, know where one it? of the the towers still is though, uh, over in Crosstown, Crosstown Concourse. Be they have one. They got herbs are growing in it. For so theirs is one working. of the restaurants. Yeah, I, I think. Well, oh, it's but not that it, it doesn't that work. Yeah, it's like it's just a different thing to do. Yeah, yeah. but you know when you see them when they, when they first plant them they look really good you know mm-hmm. the cute little plants in there but those plants get huge and they hang yeah. over it. they shade the ones below it it's not quite as effective as you would like for it to be so unless you're you, cutting things as micro. you have to really cut them back hard uh-huh. yeah. keep them going and that's so. why it's working for the restaurant because they're cutting back exactly. hard all the time all right y'all we got another back. hour to go yes <laughs> got much to talk about tune us in 901-260-5926 The garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. We're back. Good morning and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. 
Give us a call, 901-260-5926. Yeah, we got Miss Beta over there from Palladios on Central Avenue. And I've got Mr. Jim to the left of me from the All the, the places. From the recliner, recliner yeah. Uh-huh. Keeping up with us that way. I'm a, for any of those who don't know me, I'm a retired nurseryman. Yeah. Um, and you're the administrator of this one Of our Facebook group, Mid-South Gardening. Yep. Uh, same name. And we... Uh, in, encourage you to join and just ask questions and just read and the neat thing is you know we've got we got some good files on there give you a lot of good information but also if you just search something you want to know something about um um creek myrtle bar scale just search it and you'll pull up all of these questions and answers that people have had so it's a good source of good information it is Uh, so yeah you can depend on it and you'll find Kenneth, me, at Dan West Garden Centers in Beta. What do we sell in this time of year other Man. than some pre-emergence and house plants? Yeah, indoor plants. Uh, oh, you know, there's still and a seeds. perennial, too. You know, people still, if there's a few perennials like the hellebores. Oh, yeah, and, the and they're in full bloom right now. Definitely you know? things to plant in containers, still yeah. the evergreen, things like that. Um, could sell a whole lot more to the people that come in and go, my stuff's dead. I need to trans- r- rip it out and start over. But you're like, no, they're but not. I, Maybe I, not. I know. I don't want to do that no. either. You know, so um, people are, everybody's kind of hovering and waiting. And then this weather that's nice makes me forget that we're just now in the third week of January. Yeah, it's still early. And, I, you know, if anybody deserves a decent spring, we all do. You know, last year, I mean, remember, you know, last winter it was so wet. It was just wet from November to March. And then we had about three weeks of nice, really beautiful Mid-South spring weather. And that you can't beat it anywhere in the world. And then the next thing you know, you know, it's just hot as it can be. It's, you know, it's just hot at night. We're talking about the gym, talking about tomatoes having a hard time pollinating. Horrible vegetable growing season yeah. last year. So... And, and we never know from year to year, but uh, hopefully we'll have a good, prolonged, fairly cool, uh, you know, Mid-South Springs. So we'll have to wait and see. That's a wish that every nurseryman has every year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Every year we say, oh, I hope we have a long, this cool is spring. Gonna a, this yeah, is be I feel year. it. I feel it. But you're right. I mean, there's only, and this is the time of year where, you know, where, you know, everybody's doing their spring cleaning and they're planning ahead. But, you know, if you walk into Dan West now, I mean, there are the pre-emergence you mm-hmm. can still uh, uh, get. And, of course, the seeds. You know, we have a wall of seeds yeah. that people yeah. come in and look at. Good and then house plants like you do. Good Vita. time to buy seeds. Are any of the spring bulbs in yet? No spring bulbs yet. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, starting yeah. seeds. Yeah, great time. This time, I don't have my whole selection of seeds, but I picked everything new. Mm-hmm. So every new introduction, that's what I picked. Absolutely new introductions. You, you know, because the people that are coming in are wanting to try different and just, just be different and do different. We had Ben Dieter text in, KWM uh, news anchor. Ben's here every mm-hmm. Monday through Friday. Uh, in the morning, Ben does a great job. He said, "Good morning, plant expert." So good morning, glad Ben, ben. Is, is tuning in. Ben's good. I love his show. Yeah. Um, so let's see. Talking about weird things. Uh oh. <laughs> we were talking about weird things in the break. We were, but we were talking about me during the break. Right. <laughs> so the elephant in the room. <laughs> but um, burial pods. You know the tree burial pods. No, <laughs> this is something we talked about like a long time ago, and it was just a thought, but now it's a, a thing, a real thing. And um, you Tree know, it comes burial. well, burial pods. It's where when 
in there's there it's a pod that when you pass away you get put into the pod after some types of preparation and it goes down to the proper depth yep. but um it's got um <laughs> tree that you plant on top okay and then as you uh decompose your nutrients microorganisms nah, I, feed you that. know people are eating breakfast this time of morning i know baby. that's why i'm saying it but one thing was uh talk because it's uh, environmentally friendly but this is something i never thought about how um how many trees was oh yeah tens of millions of feet of hardwood is used to make the the coffins Plus millions of tons of concrete, thousand tons of metal and bronze, and uh, five million gallons of embalming fluid. So imagine all that stuff we can save all the trees if we're in a bar- organic burial pod. <laughs> is what it is. So now it's a thing and taken off. Yeah, it was 2016 when I first heard about it to Italian designers. So I've actually been following it because I think that's kind of cool. <laughs> you know? So you're doing your part even when you pass along, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, isn't that going to be a more fun, wouldn't that be a more fun funeral? Just everybody out by the tree, planting a tree, yeah. enjoying outside. I want to have a good time. Jim, quit looking at me like that. I'll go along with that. This is the most bizarre conversation I've heard Look, in a the long pictures, time. The advertising pictures are really cool. <laughs> it looks so nice and organic, and it almost looks like y'all got to look. Y'all, got, y'all have to look up uh, burial Pod, organic burial pods oh. i don't want to say sites and things like all, that on tv to check out but i actually like the picture i'm sorry i'm so earthy but you know we're going or you it will probably come to that honestly. it is it really is already there's so many people doing that and all i have so. no problem planting a tree out there in fact i think everybody needs to plant more trees but you know talking about planting a tree we've talked about this before a lot of people would go out there and buy the tree, the first tree they see, because they just like the the, the color of the leaf or the shape of the leaf. Mm-hmm. And they'll go home and plant that tree in any random spot that they want, you know? Well, so just think, if you're buried under the tree and the tree's gorgeous, uh, then it's yeah, going to be... Well, that's, I'm oh, fairly yeah, certain Uncle I violate some codes out in Bartlett. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't think we can... I wonder where you do that out. Do you have to have your own property, probably, <laughs> and never sell that property? I don't want leave uncle so. fred uh-huh. out there even yeah. though he's the tree just never mentioned it you <laughs> okay know? okay but but if you're if you think about it and you're and you're more strategic on where you plant the tree honestly mm-hmm. the better off you're going to be and also if you're more if you <laughs> and we, and we are you talking about in your front yard well <laughs> Jim, I, I do need a tree in my front yard because my house faces dead west do I need the particular tree that someone else planting in my front yard? No. Does it mm-hmm. look great? Yes. Does it have beautiful foliage? Yes. I just don't understand how you could not need that tree, even though it's off because center it is or the, really tall. Well, because my, my front yard is in, it's in a cove, so it's mm-hmm. kind of a pie-shaped front yard. The front yard is way too small for this type of tree, this tulip poplar, yeah. which I have nothing... Well, I didn't right. used to have anything it, against. It, what's it occupying four square feet or so? At the bottom, yeah. But yeah. the tree is messy. It drops stuff <laughs> all the time. I know that the roots Aww. are spreading out on a daily basis. They're probably already under my driveway, oh, my pudding. sidewalk. And, and yes, with a tree in my front yard, does it help block the sun? That that doesn't bake the front of my house. I'm telling you, yes. And I can't imagine how hot the front of this house would be 
without the tree there. Honestly. Yeah, it would okay? be miserable. I but he, I think he's off his mess. No, I'm <laughs> telling you there there are other trees that don't get as well, massive as this tulip poplar that would do the job just yeah. as well. Yeah, that's so true. So that's, that's what I true. mean when but you buy a tree, okay. strategically think about what you're yeah. getting and where you should put it, okay? Are you are you but you're having root system problems too, right? Not like yet. how far away okay. from, from the house is your tree? 20 feet. It's not going to bother your house. You just don't um, like the look and the mess, right? You just don't like the look. Just don't look up. No, it's but it, I, I get mean the mess. It, there again, yeah. I mean, thank God I've got the tree there. But uh, it's it just that uh, people need to think about what they're planting and where they're planting it when it comes to trees. Because yeah, there are some trees that only get 10 to 15 foot tall. There's some that get 50 to 60 foot tall. And remember, when you plant that tree, your root zone is twice as wide as your it canopy. Yes. So it's going into other people's yards. Uh, it's, you know, probably on the backside of your house, across the street. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it the roots are traveling huge distances. And that you need to consider that you know when you're trying to water that tree during a drought you may just be watering a small fraction mm-hmm. of the root zone and, and some trees are notorious about having big roots right there at ground level yeah. other trees you know not so much so that's always something to consider also so i think it's pretty darn important i'm not saying you have to do it but i think it's important that you do take a moment when you're planting a tree and i love planting trees i love trees in the landscape i mean my god who who doesn't who wouldn't but I just think that it's fairly important to me to uh, plant the proper tree in the proper place. And if in this case, in my house, strategically putting a tree in a particular area, because if I promise you, if that tree wasn't there, the front of my house would just melt. And so what if it were not there, what would you plant? <laughs> Jim, I don't know. I'd probably plant maybe a type of, uh, you know, maybe a maple or if—, if and ash? Can we? Should we still do ash trees? Um, we, you, they're going to eventually die from the emerald ash borer. I mean, yeah, you know, well, so it's not something I would not. plant anymore. Well, that's a bummer. So I mean, still no ash trees. I mean, okay. And, and I love the, some of the ash, but the maple is not going to get near as big. You know, mm-hmm. particularly on the variety I get. What is about this? a red oak? I mean, yeah. I mean, I love oak trees also, but it's going to. It takes a long time, but it's going to eventually mm-hmm. get too big for this little. Pie of course, your shape. maples are going to have roots right on them. I know yeah, they will, but yeah. I'm going to create a bed around it, or you know, maybe something smaller like a fringe tree. Yeah, you know, I like um, the fringe tree. Yeah, I mean, it would still create some shade. I mean, you still get the natural beauty of it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's just there are other specimens that I think I could put out there. <laughs> what would you plant, Jim? Which kind of tree do you think? Well, it faces dead west. Want. I'm telling what you, what would if, you want? A maple would be what I would plant. Yeah. One mm-hmm. of the, uh, the Amer- not a silver maple, but sugar maple, the yeah. southern sugar maple, yeah. or um, like a red October Glory, or, yeah. or the you know the red sunset. Or oh, some we're of those. supposed to go to break. <laughs> I forgot. I was like, I feel like somebody's staring at me, and it's Philip. Like break. So we'll be right back. Yeah. Good morning and welcome back to Mid South Gardening. All right, so where were we? And I was like, oh yeah, we got to go to a place. Well, it just you know, and people are going to do what they do. But I was just saying, you know, when, especially when it comes to planting trees, when you're planting shrubs, yeah. you know, you can get away with a lot of stuff. You can dig one up, move it, transplant mm-hmm. it. But you know, when a tree gets fairly established, it's not that easy to go out there and just dig this thing up and move it if you made a mistake the first time around, right? Right. So that's why I was saying, just be a little careful and a little. You know, just know what you're getting. Know how big the thing is going to get. That's very true. Uh, because, I mean, 
I mean, it's fine. It works great, but it's just kind of too big for the lot. You know, we we were talking about maples, maybe going with the maple, and you were talking about the root system could be, but are there some maples that the root system's not as intense on it? Well, in our clay soil, they're still all going to run right around the surface, you know, and Mm -hmm. as they enlarge, they look like they're coming out of the ground. Yeah. I mean, they were just right there on the surface, you know. They're just getting bigger. Soil's not disappearing or anything. They're just right there. And and there's not a problem with putting, you know, soil on each side of them, and so that you can walk over them a right. little safer uh, or building plants. a small bed around yeah. the tree. Right. You know? But if you're uh, wanting your lawn to grow up to it and all, well, it, which you shouldn't, but people do. You know, it's doable, but it's challenging. And I've yeah. gone out there uh, around this tulip poplar, you know, the bane of my existence once again. And it's still there because it serves a purpose. I get that. But when the roots start coming up a little bit, I'll go out there and just kind of feather that area in with uh, just old-fashioned soil, topsoil. And then I've come back and resodded. Old-fashioned. <laughs> and come back and resodded. Yeah. Uh, you know, now I know eventually those roots are going to come back up a little further, and I have to do the same thing. So, but I'm, I'm, it's not like I'm going out there with a dump truck load of soil. Yeah. And, you know, just completely burying every root that how i have on this it, tree how long is it in between the um time that you have to keep oh, replenishing probably, every 10 years i mean every oh, eight years that's, I mean, that's, not that's bad. pretty long that yeah. is a yeah. long time okay, exactly so I, I would, normally i tell people figure about five years if you go in there yeah. and put a good quality sod and you're actually getting some light right. in there right. you know not yeah. under a magnolia I mean, I'm, we're talking, you know, under deciduous tree, that you can figure on probably having to resod about every fifth year. Yeah, you know, which isn't bad. No, no. So, really, no, not at all. Then, but the, but it might, you know, making me think, what would be some of the ornamental type trees that are not going to get massive, like red oaks and white yeah. oaks and tulip poplars and those type of trees that we see so many around here. I mean, because the tree also needs to be big enough to shade, to shade, yeah. right, to block the sun coming in the wind. And you know, I mentioned a fringe tree. You know, I love. I mean, that's a tree that is so underplanted. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, yeah, the beautiful trees, mm-hmm. uh, beautiful white blooms in the summer, and it's not a massive tree by I any means. I want my tree to be big enough to shade the roof, also, not just the windows. Yeah. You See, know. now you're getting on up there, Veda. Yeah, yeah because right. that that really will help with your electricity. Is mm-hmm. the roof shade so I sh- but then you don't want the limbs over your roof no, no. but then if you if you pay somebody to keep up with that then you don't have such a problem with the trees falling on your roof so maybe i should so complain. maybe it averages out whether you can pay low electric bills yeah. and save that money to pay an arborist to keep the limbs off your trees um, Veda lives in an apartment yeah, I know, right? I'm thinking all right. about all so that. Maybe I shouldn't complain so much about this dang tree, which I've always done in this front yard. So, yeah. you know, when the house we moved into had uh, the typical um, two oak trees directly, you know, spaced evenly on each side of the front door. You yes. know, the, the toy soldier effect. Yeah. yeah. You know, but, you know, when we moved yeah. in, they had, they were about, you know, big around as my thigh, which is pretty, still pretty good size. Uh, <laughs> But now, you know, they're huge. You know, they yeah. both go over the house. One's a water oak and one's yeah. a red oak. Um, and, beautiful. And the one on the right side, beautiful tree. Mm-hmm. But before we moved in, it got hit by lightning. There is a split all yeah. the way down. It healed over nicely, but you can look and see where it goes all the way up into the tree. Wow. You know, and apparently that caused it to 
produce a banner crop of acorns sure every, every year. Oh. So you know, it you have we have to get up and just get them off the wall. So it's a messy you know? mess. Also, yeah. I mean, it's like marbles out yeah. there. So you know, now how close to the house is the are those trees planted? They are probably. Twelve to fifteen feet off of the house, which is a pretty close for an oak tree. They're close, you yeah. Know, but it does shade the whole front end of the house. Enabled me to put camellias and and hydrangeas out there, and 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 they do did quite well. And another previously. thing is, you know, some trees don't look bad when you limb them up. Mm-hmm. You know, like for example, these oak trees look great when they've been yeah. thinned out, limbed up. You get more light to the grass you're trying to grow, and it's just a good look. Well, this tulip popper, it's not really the type of tree that you can limb up. Because then if you do it, it just looks like you've got a long trunk with some growth at the top. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's just not going to look right. So always keep that in mind also. So you're talking about an oak tree. I don't, that's why you see so many oak trees here in the Mid-South. A, they grow well here. There's so many different varieties. They love Memphis They do, but they look okay also. In fact, they look just as good when they have been limbed up and thinned out. Mm -hmm. Where all trees are not that way, you know. Yeah. I mean, think about I think how. So I'm, I know I'm thinking about that. <laughs> you what know, it's just some trees are not made up. for that. Hmm. It's in the eye of the beholder. Or the owner. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> or the owner. Yeah, that made me think of like uh, house plants. Okay, so you know, so it's telling you we're going to move the garden center over to the other side. Um, in the showroom, but in the showroom we have house plants in there, but. Uh, you know, they're just kind of in there and we don't watch them or take care of them that much because they don't have to look perfectly pristine. The perfectly pristine ones that we really take care of are in the garden center side. So, um, gosh, where was I going with this? So as far as, have a as, far as, them, them out, <laughs> as far as cleaning them up, thinning them out, cutting them up, cutting them back. I how don't they think that was it at all. Well, it had to be. It had so to be. not just me. That <laughs> <laughs> had to be. But the, oh, the look of plants. Okay. So I asked, we have a, a new showroom designer who's been there for a while. And I was like, oh, this is a good question to ask because I'm finding out that I know what a plant should look like. Naturally. Like naturally, perfectly, right. and all, but a lot of people don't know what a plant looks about a house like. Plant. Yeah, or indoor plant, or even outdoor plant is supposed to look like naturally, yeah. and so it's pretty mm-hmm. to them. And I'm thinking it's not pretty because it doesn't look like it's supposed to look in a way. So I asked the showroom designer, I'm going, okay, some of these plants are going to have to go. And I go, like this one. It just doesn't look like it's supposed to. And I show it to him. And he's going, what in the world's wrong with that? He goes, it's pretty and green. You know, it's, uh, he goes, I like that plant. And I go, but it's not supposed to look like that. There's supposed to be a cane here. There's supposed to be more leaves. And he's like, but it's beautiful. See, Invade is the same one that wouldn't like the look of a beach ball looking azalea. Right, like yeah, your house. Like, right, right, exactly. Yeah, like, you're just saying. But the thing is, is sometimes we're overthinking what a plant's supposed mm-hmm. to look like. And so I started looking at it as it's, it was very healthy. Everything mm-hmm. was healthy and fine. It wasn't ugly at all. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't the way that it looked when it came in. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. It's it's kind of hard to overlook some of these things because there again, some of these landscapes, everything is squared off, everything Mm -hmm. is rounded up, and there are some shrubs that should not look. I mean, when I see an azalea that looks like a beach ball, there's something wrong with that. (laughs) If I see an azalea that looks like a a block, a square, a Mm -hmm. cube, 
There's something wrong with well, that. How many of y'all, how many times have y'all heard people come into the garden center and ask for the square shaped plants <laughs> I mean, or the ball shaped oh, plants? A, there's a, a firehouse down at Alturia and Stage that has mm-hmm. square forsythias. I mean, yeah, big I yellow am. blocks in the spring. There. Now, and, 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 <laughs> right. and like Beta said, and Jim, it's not that it doesn't work. Yeah. It will work, uh-huh. but it's so unnatural looking yeah, to, to me, us, like you're yeah. talking right. about, to other people. But <laughs> then when you get outside, step outside of the box and try to not look at it as a forsythia that was pruned wrong, and you look at it as a nice, pretty yellow blooming hedge, and then you're like, okay, that, that is pretty. That looks like a cube. Yeah. That looks right. so unnatural. Yeah. Well, yeah, when people were asking for the, the square shrubs or the round ball shrubs, they were asking in terms of that's how they think they grow right. naturally. Because, yeah. I mean, we do sell shrubs that have been pruned and formed and all of that, but they were thinking that you never had to prune them to make them stay square or perfectly round. Uh, but it's yeah. just it just blows me away. I mean, you know, boxwoods, I don't mind the round shape of a boxwood. I mean, uh, to yeah, me, I that, looks, either, that really. looks yeah. real and natural to me. Mm-hmm. But seeing these little blooms on these round and square-looking azaleas, and why would you ever cut back azaleas like that? It just baffles me to no end. I can't figure it out. I did have a client say, I don't care about the blooms. I just wanted to look like that. And I was like, okay, I'm pruning now. (laughs) (laughs) Gladly prune now. Well, one more break we got to go to. Give us a call, 901-260-5926. Good morning and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Glad you can join us today. You know, we're talking about starting seeds indoors and all. And I would say doing seeds indoors, um, temperature is definitely something to check out, like which seeds you're starting. Some, uh, sometimes our houses are way too warm yeah. to start the seeds. Hey, my find, wife, find the let me say this room you got. My wife texted it in with a picture of this tree that <laughs> I was complaining about. Yeah. And she said it shades the upstairs right. also. Right, in yeah. this picture she took yeah. makes it look just perfectly beautiful. It does. Me and Jim are like, what's the problem? <laughs> <laughs> so you're yeah. talking about germinating seeds Oh, the seeds, seeds indoors. indoors. So temperature is something you should check out. Check out on that. Also, humidity is important. And you should have a fan kind of circulating and, around in And that area. light. That is key the to growing key. good, healthy plants when they're young yeah. But let me say so this. It's not just like put some seeds in the soil and set them in the windowsill. There's a lot of other factors to include in this. Well, to get a seed to germinate, though, all you need is warmth and moisture to germinate the seed. Yeah, to you know, it, that's all it, it to needs. Pop out, yeah. Now, once it comes up, mm-hmm. you know, you might have a few issues. That's where you need decent light and decent humidity and so forth. But. Just to get the seed to germinate, as long as you've got a well-drained soil that holds a little moisture and it's got warmth to that soil, that seed's going to germinate. Unless uh, it's too warm. Well, no, it's say, still usually kick, pick the coolest room in your house. Mm-hmm. It's probably good for the plants. Yeah. You know, After yeah. they come up. Right. Yep. Yeah, now, you can always add a little bottom heat, put a heating pad under mm-hmm. them if, you know, it's getting bitterly cold in there. Yeah. But like... My, my, what I call the bird room where my parrot is, 
you know, it stays 68 or so in there. You know, mm-hmm. it's fairly cool. That's a good germination yeah, temperature. Yeah, it, it's a good, yeah. it's, it's, it's right for germinating plants. Now, do you still germinate anything from seed? I, I don't, there? I don't. I don't grow anything from seed anymore. Yeah. Um, now, I, t- I say that, you know, I get, because I'm a Garden Writers Association, I get samples of seed all the time. Mm-hmm. People, you know, companies send them. And I'll just broadcast them out in the garden. And see what happens. See what happens, Yeah. yeah. Um, I got a good stand of Cosmos, you know, a couple of years ago from just sowing some seed out, mm-hmm. not doing anything. I to love it. that flower. Yeah. Um, but no, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm one of those people when we talked about earlier is, you know, I, I want lots of different types of plants. I don't need, I don't need 10 of anything. You know, other than, you know, yeah, unless right. different varieties of hostas, you know, <laughs> then then we're talking hundreds. <laughs> yeah. But, but as far as, you know, I don't need 10 petunia plants. I don't need to, I don't grow any vegetables because right. it's so much, for me, it's cheaper not to. Yeah. Uh, you know, oh, you know, I've got a good question here. I'm thinking, <laughs> a good question <laughs> uh, for Jim to debunk for me. Okay, so what about... I, I'm thinking I don't see how this would work out. So I've read or heard or something like, why don't you start your seeds in an eggshell? And then that way you just take the eggshell and all and plant it in the soil. Sure you can. But can the, well, it's I just guess a the nice roots, little cup. But as far as if you're doing it for calcium or something. Then don't even, it, yeah. Yeah, you're wasting your time. Because the roots will be able to break through the re- eggshell and well, all that. Well, yeah, what, do you, what about I that? I would rather I crack the eggshell when you put, put it, it down in, in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a nice little re- reusable cup. But mm-hmm. as far as... The calcium from the eggshell being available yeah. to the plant, which is what a lot of people not in use the life eggshell. Right, bar. yeah. And I'm yeah. just looking for it to hold instead yeah. of buying a peat pot. I yeah. could use some eggshells well, in an egg carton container. Yeah. People are using K cups now, you know, oh, saving yeah. those. Putting a, you got a hole in the bottom uh-huh. already for drainage. Yeah. You know, and as long as you're not trying to grow, you know, 12 inch tomatoes, yeah. you mm-hmm. can, you know, can start them in there. All right. So, what do y'all think is the best way to grow seeds or start seeds indoors? Because I know you mm-hmm. can buy the. You know, the, the plastic flat, yeah. and you can buy the inserts, the little six-packs or four-packs that go in it. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the either the peat pellets or the potting soil, the seed-starting soil. Um, and then you act, you know put your seed in there and water it in, moist it down, if you will. And then you can put the clear dome on top of this to make your mini greenhouse. Well, to me, it seems like it's hard to transplant from that type of situation. Am well, I trying to transplant too early? You maybe? just, you know, you stick your finger on the bottom of that plastic thing and push crush it, it, push it out. I mean, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. they'll still have t- enough little roots. Yeah. And they're all. typically not reusable. The the cell packs yeah. you can save the trays mm-hmm. for years, but yeah. Um, you know, but even there, if you don't use the cells, if you just go in there and and spread your seed yeah, in there and don't get in without seal get, packs even yeah, in the flat, and then thin them if you need to to yeah. to get them in there, and then you can dig them out with a spoon and just yeah. transplant the individual plants and because there would be enough roots, yeah. yeah, yeah. Because okay. think about it, you okay. can buy the old fashioned plastic, what they call the mini greenhouse, mm-hmm. the flat, the inserts, and the clear dome that goes on top. You can buy also now where they've got the plastic flat. But they've got cardboard or, you know, some kind of paperish uh, yeah. inserts huh. to where, oh, yeah. Well, you can take those and plant them directly into mm-hmm. the ground like you're talking about, Veda. You That's can get cool. the uh, the peat pellets. Uh, the, I the little, always like the Jiffy 7s. The Jiffy 7s. You do. You, do, you I say, do. See, I've heard good things You know, and I've heard, heard lots of people say they didn't like them, but I've always had good luck with them. So the Jiffy 7s are good because? It's just a self-contained unit. You, you take know? that little thing as it grows and 
just go stick it right in the ground. I'm liking that. And it's yeah. just a, it's, when you first get the little pellet, it's just a little, looks like the, uh, a, saver. a quarter or a silver dollar. It looks but like a token. You yeah. Know. It's, yeah. It's, it's yeah. a compressed peat product, but when you add water to it, they swell up yeah. and it's just the perfect place to put a seed. But you also can buy these little, there again, these, these flats that have the inserts in there that are every, in, in every insert, there's a peat pellet. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's not just us adding our own soil anymore. You can buy these things so many different ways now. And I guess the point I'm making is it's easy for us, easier, I should say, to germinate seeds. Now, as far as what median you want to use, that's up to you. But there's many different ones to choose from. Yeah, just the key is getting good light on them to keep them compact. You don't want them elongating because they're difficult to handle. And never touch the stem of a seedling. Never always grab it by the foliage you can't just yank that thing up by the stem oh sure bruise that stem that sucker dies and you think what have i done you know the day after you transplant it and it's wilted over every one of them pick them up by the leaves you know if you tear a leaf off and gonna be an issue you know it's gonna re-sprout now when you say give it good light i mean do you also include artificial light if need be but it's Mm -hmm. you know it's got to be got to be close if you're talking about fluorescence or leds we're talking 12 inches or so it needs to be mm-hmm. that close to your to the ground mm-hmm. you know with an incandescent because of the heat you're going to have to be up 18 20 inches or more depending on how strong your light is yeah um, but th- that's important is, is having that light and having it directly over the plants and if they're not directly over it you need to turn them so that they don't start leaning mm-hmm. on you okay and and how important would it be you know because any light's better than no light i mean is it yeah. is it is it just that we have to use like a grow light. I mean, because I know a grow light would, would probably be better. To. You're exactly yeah. right. right. I don't think we do either. Yeah. yeah. I think that's the best way you can go. But if you could just have good natural light or even like an incandescent or an LED yeah. light you're, that Jim's talking about. You're talking about such a short period of time that right. you're going to be growing these things. They're not going to suffer if they're missing a wavelength or two. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I have used regular indoor light, uh-huh. uh, incandescent, you know, the cheap tool shop type mm-hmm. light. I've used reptile lights, mm-hmm. of Aquarium lamps, right. you know, just the plants. Because have this no is not idea. a big yeah, greenhouse yeah. or a growing production we're talking about. Right. This is just you in your own home with a flat of whatever you're trying to grow mm-hmm. with that particular light. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have a baker's rack in your kitchen in a sunny area, and there you go. That's right. <laughs> that easy. That easy. Now, <laughs> so, and let me say this also is we're talking about growing and starting plants indoors from seed okay oh yes 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 but also they and they jim there are some seeds that you can go ahead and start outdoors pretty soon mm-hmm. and those are you know your old seven top purple top the yeah. kale the collards you know your leafy veggies if you will uh you don't have to start those indoors mm-hmm. you can let the temperatures get a little warmer the soil temperatures get a little warmer and you can go ahead and plant those outside directly into your soil your garden yeah. plot and you don't need pollinators for them no you so do well, not yeah. Yeah, there you go. Well, also timing is a big thing too because we wouldn't want to start tomatoes indoors right now because oh, you can't put them outside. A little early. Yeah, little yeah. Early. I mean, because the frost date around they here get really tall and leggy. And exactly, yeah. frost dates around April fifteenth. So you know, you figure March what first or so. exactly April twenty third. Yeah. yeah. I mean, figure figure five to six weeks before you're ready to plant them mm-hmm. outdoors, and you know, on most of your you know your typical warm weather 
veggie crops. You got to be careful putting anything in the ground like that before April fifteenth. Now yeah. we can do lettuce, kohlrabi. You can do uh, English peas right now. Oh yeah. Go ahead and get those in the ground. Those. They'll tolerate the cold weather. I've got a new variety of English peas. And all the like we were talking about the leafy vegetables. You know your your collards and your kale and your rape and seven top mm-hmm. and purple top. All those kind of things. Not a problem. All yeah. right, y'all. We'll head to a break real quick, and we'll be right back. Good morning and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. We were talking about how this is a good time to go to Garden Talks and, and check out all the independent garden centers mm-hmm. and uh, yes, check out the Master Gardener website. Good one going on at the Bartlett uh, Library today uh, on um, poisonous plants, wicked plants. Uh, <laughs> really, that. really sounds interesting. And this is at the Bartlett, Bartlett Library. Library. And they've been filling up. I mean, they, they've had such good response to it. So it's, it's put on by the Master Gardeners. Right. Uh, and if you get a chance, it's, it's really interesting. That's going to be fun. Remember I had the Wicked Plant book? Well, yes. yeah. why? Why did I loan that out to yeah, somebody? Yeah, because you don't get it back. I don't have it back. And I bought it in California on a trip. And it's Wicked Plants. And, and for different reasons. A wicked plant doesn't have to be poisonous to be a wicked plant. A yeah. wicked plant could be kudzu in your back, you know, acreage <laughs> yeah. that's taking over everything. But, so you know, I've got a blood lily that you know that's what the natives use to tip their poison. Yeah, with, you know, it is incredible. I'm almost was afraid to pass some of that information on because there's so many things <laughs> yeah. that people would be scared yeah. almost to uh, do anything yeah but you know but you're saying but this time of year Vita, people are going to the independent garden centers they're buying house plants they're buying you know garden seeds flower seeds they're getting pre-emergence they're getting you know fertilizers everything in between but also there's a lot of good information out there like jim was just talking at the barton library they're having a a uh, seminar today, I guess, sponsored by the Memphis Area yeah. Master Gardeners. And am, Beta, yeah. you do your As own. As we oh, speak yeah. here, I am looking up the information. And you do your own. Yeah, let's see. February 4th, a Saturday, I'm going to talk about houseplant care and watering uh-huh. and just stuff. Jim's going to talk about water gardening, something like March 4th, maybe. It's a I Saturday, too. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the first two ones coming up. Now, and is then water it just gardening what it used to be? I mean, I think mm-hmm. it is. Yeah, I think it's bigger yeah. than it used to be. Because but you get a lot of interest in large ones. Uh-huh. You know, when I first started doing it back in the 70s, uh, in fact, I, I was one of the first. Plato Tuliatis came to see it, and then he really got heavily into it. But I brought in a lady from Lily Ponds to talk about uh, the small water garden. You know, we're talking water features that are a thousand gallons or less for ba- people's yeah. backyards, and that's what we're going to focus on, on on this speech. But uh, there's, I think, there's much more demand now than there was. Yeah. Because we can do little patio ones too now. Right, too. And, and I don't think that's ever going to go away because it's such. Who doesn't like the sound of mm-hmm. running water to start with? Yeah. Now, and, and people are, you know, they're thinking, oh, I'm, I'm going to have snakes and frogs and mosquitoes. Yeah, and it's not. You're going to have all that stuff anyway, potentially. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, don't be saying that, can I? Well, my point, though, <laughs> what, is. What, then it'll have them? <laughs> well, let's just say starting with the mosquitoes. There are things yeah. you can throw in the water that's completely safe for mm-hmm. dogs, cats, birds, and everything else. Or you can have fish else. to take yeah, care of them. Yeah, and it's not going to hurt the fish, and it's going to keep the mosquito larva down. But if you've got running, if the whole water, if you've got running water or moving water, the larva can't. 
Uh, well, but I'm saying even if yeah. it is, is, there's an easy way to take yeah, care of that. Yeah, mosquito dumps. Yeah. yeah, frogs. I mean, who cares if they got 39-cent goldfish. Frogs yeah, yeah. are great to have, <laughs> right. you know? Yeah. And snakes, honestly, I think I've, I've known one person, mm-hmm. one, with all the water gardening that's going on out there and the water ponds yeah. and the water features, one person that had a water snake. Well, mm-hmm. n- now you know, too. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, today, uh, let's see here. It's called Wicked Plants. Um, uh, the fun presentation covers plants that are deadly, illegal, intoxicating, dangerous, painful, destructive, or invasive. So it starts today at 2.30. It is free, uh, and it's at the Bartlett Library. So if you get a chance, uh, go out there and listen. That's pretty cool. Well, back, yeah. in, back in the day, Gangster Day or what in that... What year am I thinking? Where there was the castor bean got the oh yeah, where they killed they, the spy with it. Yeah, they put yeah. it on the end of a yeah, the rice a cane. Shot it yeah. through an umbrella. Is that what they did? Yeah, yeah. And it's chip. from a plant. Yeah, I mean, and then I don't think they could they did they had figured it out then. That's a wicked I don't, plant. I don't think so. He had hollowed out like a BB. Yeah, and put and of course had the ricin in it and shot it into the guy's leg. I thought that was only in spy novels. Yeah. No, I think I that was a, this was a real life thing. They get their material from real life mm-hmm. experiences or experiences that may happen, like Star Trek. Yeah. Look at Star Trek. We're not going to talk about my thing. three missing brothers. <laughs> <laughs> but you made no, a good let's point. Let's not talk about that. <laughs> it won't be long before you know the Memphis Botanic Gardens that are uh, you know like the societies like the Hort Society and the Hosta Society and the Orchid Society and all the societies, they'll start cranking back up mm-hmm. with all their wonderful information meetings they uh, they give out, the garden centers, you know. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be, you know, a, a, an exciting time of year, which is just right ahead of us. But, Veda, it's, uh, you know, information is key. And I guess there's so many different ways and places for people to get information. Most of the information we get now, you know, we hope it's the right and good information, but there's still some places you can go and get some crazy information, you know, yeah. I mean, which is not true whatsoever. Yeah, it's called the Internet. Yeah, it <laughs> is called the Internet. <laughs> Man, there's so much, so much. Um, let's see, what I, else? I encourage like- to people to go to independent garden centers, you know, because you're going to get, you're going to get a, a different aspect of gardening. Um, the, the box stores have good plants a lot of them are cheaper than sometimes you'll find at independence um but they give you what they want you to sell okay they're only going to offer you certain things you know like at lowe's they say no bloom no room Mm -hmm. if it's not showing color they don't want it on their place there uh so you know if you happen to be looking for you know seven or eight varieties of hostas you're not likely to find it that's right you get such more diverse uh, plants and so much better information from the independents. You know, I bleed independent. Uh, it doesn't mean that I haven't on occasion bought a plant. Right. You know, I was at, uh, when my daughter got married, I think I was, just happened to be passing a uh, Walmart in Iuka, Mississippi, and they had just gotten in some big Boston ferns that were huge and they were ridiculously cheap. Yep, so you still, had to have still one. Still in the wrappers. I bought you know? two to put, you know, there at the wedding. Uh, still in the wrappers. Went by like four days later and they were still in the wrappers and they looked like crap, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, but I got two right off the truck. So, yep. Well, I'm like you. I mean, Independent Garden Center, that's where I've been, you know, my whole life and that's just, 
of course, what I support, and for all those right reasons you're just talking about, Jim, uh, and then VEDA, like you're saying, independent garden center like Palladio's. I mean, and then, you know, you can find good high-quality stuff. You can get high-quality information. And even the seminar that you're doing on the 4th, you said, of February about houseplants. Houseplants are such a big deal right now. One of the worst things you can do is go buy some houseplants and have no idea how to mm-hmm. take care of these things. And things that die on people, you know, <laughs> that's not fun is my point. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we want to try to keep that from happening. And usually when something dies, Jim, whose fault is it? You killed it. Yeah. <laughs> we know. try. We that's, try so hard to make it happen. That's what I found in the people, you know. If, you either gave it something it didn't want, or it wanted something you didn't give it, and any other option. Well, that's like me with the Hoya plant. I know it doesn't like a lot of water, and I still overwatered it. Yeah. Because I was just like, it was, first off, maybe I shouldn't set it next to a plant that I water regularly, because you can't resist the, just a little drop of water. It's got to have water. So I'm watering this plant every, it's a smaller pot, like every week, and I should be watering the Hoya like every six weeks or yeah, something. I've got a Hoya that I have Which not, is a wonderful house plant. Not watered since I put it into cold storage in the garage, mm-hmm. uh, and that was in November. No way. Yeah. Yeah, so but Good I kept giving Lord. a little drop, you know, because most you lose the, track. Most of the sense of areas that I've got, I've got a number of varieties won't get watered at all during the winter. That is, see, that mm-hmm. is yeah. that just sounds so wrong. Right, yeah. that's how I end up car- killing the Hoya. I know it don't kill them in the garden center because nothing gets too wet in the garden center <laughs> because there's so much to water, you know. But nope, just bigger than day. And, and let me ask you this: before I know we got to go here in a second, especially on the house plants there again because they're so big and they all I, they're just people love them. Mm-hmm. In fact, I had a lady in the garden center buying a house plant the other day. She's got what are the little things that you write on and you stick them on the wall or whatever it is, uh, you know, just a post-it note. Post-it note. There Thank you. Go. <laughs> she's got post-it notes. Uh-huh. Around, she's probably listening right now around the house of where she wants to put that particular house plant. Oh, that's great. Is it it's so like, planned out. I mean, but it makes you think, wow, house plants really are a big deal. Mm. But do we think overall, is it okay to just water with just typical lukewarm temp, room temperature water from the faucet? Or do we need to get into a situation where we're watering with distilled water? No. There are only a few things that I would do distilled water. Most of those are are things like some of the carnivorous plants uh, I would do with distilled right, water. So but most for the, of the most time, part, unless yeah. we know that this particular plant needs distilled right. water, just yeah. we're constantly water just regular away. water. Luckily, we have good water here. All right, y'all, this has been great. We love spending time with you. Enjoy working in the garden this week, and we'll see you next weekend in the garden.